0: Mac Power Users, episode 558, Apple Hardware Season with Zach Hall. Welcome back to Mac Power Users. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined as always by my friend and yours, Mr. David Sparks.
1: Hello, Stephen Hackett. How are you today?
0: I'm good, David. How are you? I'm
1: good as well. We are recording this episode in a time machine we're literally yes. in the uh, we're in the police box going forward was, and backwards. See, i
0: was gonna go with the delorean <laughs> interesting all right
1: the delorean is good too delorean is good
0: better I Mean
1: better oh uh, wow man you want to start that do you really want to go there
0: i mean maybe this is our thing
1: i don't know man I, I don't know but either way we've got a guest today uh welcome back to the show zach hall hey how are y'all doing we're doing great. Zach is... I, now, what is your official title over at 9to5Mac? Yeah, I'm I'm lead editor at 9to5Mac. Yeah, I was going to say head honcho, but hey, lead editor works too. <laughs> but just, you know, my favorite fire hose on the internet, 9to5Mac. You guys do such a great job of mixing good content, plus news and rumors with taste. Good job, Thank Zach. You. Thank you. And um, so happy to have you on the show. But as I was mentioning earlier in our DeLorean slash police box uh we're recording this show the day before apple's announcement but we're going to finish the show the day of apple's announcement so we're not going to talk about rumors or anything but all three of us are going to be on right after the announcement that's right but for you dear listener it's all going to happen at once like magic
0: that's right it's like just uh the magic of editing brings two days together it's a miracle yes it's a miracle
1: it's like a delorean parked by a police box Wow. Exactly. Or if you zip tied one to the top of a DeLorean. Okay. um, Zach, uh, you, in addition to running things over at nine to five Mac, you are a huge proponent of the Apple watch and just uh, Apple nerd in general. So we got to start out just kind of checking in with where you are on hardware. Yeah, sure. Um, Man. I mean, maybe, maybe it changes in a couple of days, but I don't, (laughs) I don't
2: know. Um, right now i'll start from the mac because a few years ago i think it's been two years since i was here and i was all i think i was all like a 12 inch macbook or something and that's since gone away um but i'm on the 16-inch macbook pro in silver and it really reminds me of like my first macbook pro which was in 2009 um in that you know has a reliable keyboard um it's you know really nice and everything and um, that's my main machine, and I hook it up to a couple of uh, LG 4K ultra fine monitors on on face mounts, and so you know we can move them around and everything. and And uh, and that's my home station, you know. And then when I'm traveling, it's it's a great big screen, and I see like a like a 13 inch MacBook Pro, and I'm like, whoa, is that that thing like ultra portable? Like, what is that thing? You know, it's so thin. Yeah, um, but, you know, but I'm none. Of, none of the 16 Pro feels too big for me. It's like it's perfect for what I what I want and need. So, um, I can always fit enough stuff on the screen. Uh, iPhone wise, I'm using the iPhone 11 Pro Max, and you know, if I have to say it right now, I'll probably keep using it for the year. Or, you know, through the year, and then hope that maybe next year's phones in 2021 come out sooner than later, like in September and not November, um, because. I, th- I think the guess is, is that the replacement for this specific model would be out in like late November of this year. So at this point, everyone, everyone already knows when that is, um, but I'm, I'm kind of banking on, well, I've got the battery case and, you know, uh, another case for it. And it's just easier to, to do this one for another year. And I've actually never skipped an iPhone since the uh, four. So
1: <laughs> this will be a new experience. Yeah, well, I like this because we're gonna have immediate feedback. So at yeah. the beginning of the episode, Zach is saying he's not upgrading, and if you fast forward an hour, we will see exactly how that plays out. <laughs> That's right.
2: <laughs> um, iPad wise, I have no iPad now, and um, I a few months ago I was all in. I had I went from the 2018 iPad Pro to the 2020 iPad Pro, which you know it wasn't a massive change, but I used the screen size difference to to go from the larger to the to the to the bigger um, had the uh, magic keyboard and thought that was the coolest accessory you know trackpad support and everything but I was still finding that um, I wasn't using it in a way that made me feel good about the money spent on it and so I finally just decided you know kind of uh, out of focus just to have you know the the MacBook the single MacBook be like my all computer experience and then the phone be kind of the mobile thing um, and and I've been kind of content with that but the iPad Air which, as of this moment, doesn't have a release date beyond October, but maybe in a few hours, you know, we'll we'll know. Um, but I'm really tempted by it because the I, the the price I feel like for for the way that I use it makes more sense than than being over a thousand dollars invested into an iPad. And so um, I'm really tempted at that one. It's just kind of a you know fun tablet to use, and that's not my work machine. And then uh, Apple Watch wise, I've got an Apple Watch Series Five that I own. Uh, it's the, it's the white ceramic model because I'm so enthusiastic about it. And I just, I was happy that that was a, an option last year. This year it's not, and I wasn't going to upgrade, but I do have a, a review unit from, from Apple that I'll get to keep for several months. And it's the, yeah.
1: And we're going to get into the new watches because you, you've actually spent time with the six and the SE, I believe as well.
2: I haven't got the SE. I haven't seen the SE, but, but the, but the six, uh, I've been wearing every day, and, and the SC, you know, it's mostly, you can kind of make, you know, you you can know what it all is and it's just the price point that is
1: the yeah. difference in how you feel about it, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, we're, we're definitely getting that, but I want to work backwards a little bit. Um, sure. First of all, the iPad, what, what were you <laughs> using the iPad for when you had one? So uh, things I loved about it,
2: LTE. So I would use it as, as like my mobile computer and I can, I can force all of my work into it and get it done. Um, multitasking's gotten way better, especially with the um, the interface where you can have the slide over app that like floats on top of your other two window two two apps side by side, and then you can use the little gesture bar like on the iPhone to to switch through. And so it, it's gotten much better in terms of I'm a Mac guy going to an iPad, and I want to kind of have the same you know muscle memory. Um, but there, there's just there's always I'm always just faster on the Mac and you know i miss lte i'd love to have that on the mac some kind of a cellular connection but i use hotspot and it's pretty reliable and and that that's, that's mainly it you know it, it's the things that i do on it is like if i'm on the treadmill or the elliptical i like watch videos on it and i miss that because i'm not going to put my massive macbook pro on, the, on that machine and <laughs> sweat, all, <laughs> sweat all sweat yeah. all over it and you know uh <laughs> shake yeah, that's it down. Pretty funny. So, yeah yeah, so for me, like it really is like it's a tablet, you know, and it's not um something that i want that I wanna do everything on and try and try and force it into that um
1: i I think that's a common friction point though i I think people who are power users on the Mac, you know people who have like yeah dug in with keyboard maestro and have you know all their snippets together, and you know. There are things you can do so fast on the Mac that it drives you crazy that you can't do them as fast on mobile.
2: And I'm really good on the phone for mobile. Like I've been to, I remember one time I went to a Sonos event in New York and I did like the live blog from the phone, you know, just on WordPress in the browser. Um, and, it, you know, I've, I've done that from the phone too with with posts on 9to5Mac and then my other site, Space Explored, where it's like oh, this is actually like something I'm really interested in. I want to write about it sooner than later. So let me just crank out a few paragraphs on the phone. Oh, that's like a full post, you know, by the time I'm done with it. um, So just, just as much time as we spend on our phones have gotten very efficient. And so, you know, sometimes I'll be at my desk with my my MacBook Pro connected to the two displays. And I've got, you know, TweetDeck running and Slack and, um, you know, mail and everything's going on two screens. And I'll like lean back in my chair and I'll like look at Twitter on the phone and like, messaged in Slack on the phone. And even though it's all on the Mac right there, I'm actually doing a lot of stuff on the phone. So, um, so not having that thing in the
1: middle is kind of clarity for me, uh, at least for now. Now, do you put, um, do you do text entry on the phone with just uh, tapping or do you also do dictation and some of the other, you know, methods?
2: I, my, my aunt and uncle, they do dictation and and it impresses me because it's the most I've seen people do it for like 90% of text input for me. I'm a, I'm a tapper or as of iOS, I guess, um, 12 or so uh, swiping, um, yeah. you know, 13. So I'm really efficient at both of those things. And dictation, I'm not efficient at. I think I can put out longer stuff with dictation because I can speak quickly and go back and edit it. But it's that going back and editing thing that kind of gets me, it breaks my rhythm. And if I'm just typing it, I'm, I'm pretty quick at it or swiping you know, for text yeah. entry.
1: Yeah, there's definitely an edit, although it's, it's much better I mean, it just continues to get better. I feel yeah, like you are
2: notorious for, for dictation and using that on, on all things. So.
1: Yeah. Well, like drafts on the phone plus dictation is a very good combination if yeah. you want to get rough text in. But it's it's not final. I mean, you will have to go back and make yeah. some edits.
2: No, I am a big um, voice memos user, especially now that it's on the, on the phone and the watch and the iPad and the Mac. Um, and I've got probably over 100 voice memos right now that I've got just from the last few months. And... And I've, I've used drafts where, you know, you, you dictate it or you, you say it and it's got what you say and then it's got the text and everything. But I've just found that for some reason I'm just very comfortable using using voice memos and, um, you know, having it built in. And if I do a clean install on something, it's going to be there. Um, but with voice memos, I do things like if I have an idea that I don't want to – I want to, like, talk it out out loud, I'll use voice memos for it or – if my kids are talking or I'm talking to my kids and I just want to, like, record the moment without having my phone out as a camera or video camera, um, yeah. I'll, I'll do voice memos for that. And um, if I've got, like, a music idea, so I've been working on some on some music just in my spare time. And if I've got that, um, I'll do that with, with, voice, with voice memos. And I go back and, you know, I'll have, like, 20 that are just labeled with the date or location. And I'll go back and play through them and then give them a shorthand name. And you can even categorize them. And now there's a new feature where you can enhance the audio. So it'll try to get rid of background noise in like one click. So um, that's that's kind of a surprising thing. I posted my home screen recently and someone asked,
1: are you seriously a voice memos user like that heavily? And I'm like, oh, yes. Yeah, I am. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I, um, I think I'm going the opposite direction. Like the place I used to do a lot of voice memo type work was day one. Mm -hmm. Because I do many day one entries per day, like I'll make a day one entry after we finish this recording. And Mm -hmm. for the longest time, I used that built-in feature where you you could record your voice and it would transcribe it using Apple's API. But I find at this point Siri dictation is just so much better that if I just dictate text straight into it, I don't really care about keeping the captain's log audio recording of my voice. You know, Yeah, yeah, and um, the uh, it it's just it's just almost needs a little or no edit now so i just almost never do that anymore yeah now, now the last thing i want to talk about because you this is where you started last time you were def- definitely a 12 inch macbook <laughs> fan i mean i felt like <laughs> you it came went on away. the show yeah. and you just like made the case for it and you know I, i'm yeah. sure we had listeners like oh man now i need to go buy a 12 inch macbook and then you just come in and casually say yeah well now use 16 and it's, yeah it's and, and
2: there was there was a 5k I, mac or uh, iMac Pro in between, so um, but I I sold that when the when the 16 MacBook Pro came out, and and so you know it's kind of the nature of the job is it, it helps to have experience with different computers, and um, you know you can kind of justify like I'm, I'm working with more photographers now that I'm doing the space stuff, and they have you know like they don't change anything because it can break their workflow, and I'm like oh you've got the awesome MacBook with the SD card on it you know from ages ago that's that's really neat <laughs> uh, I'm kind of jealous of that. Um and then meanwhile like I'm running big Sur Beta you know and it's like <laughs> like oh yeah. that's, that's that's crazy um but it, I'm I'm kind of learning from them you know to kind of find my balance of for since 2013 I've I've tried to get everything as soon as possible and upgrade every year so if it means selling the old thing to kind of fund the new thing um then 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 doing that and it kind of gets exhausting, you know, and and I I just can't say that I've used something for more than a year or so. And so I'm trying now to kind of break that habit and, and, and uh, you know, use something for, you know, it's
1: at least a couple of years, maybe three years. Yeah. And there's also like less overhead because, you know, I have more hardware than you. So it's like every <laughs> update means multiple items. I've got to go and update and, you know, like, I, I recently started using, you know, an app and I had to install it on two different Macs and, you know, just everything has extra overhead. Yeah, that's
2: not to say, though, that when the, when the iMac updated with the, the same, um, the matte finish as the XDR display for a lot less money, I was very tempted by that. And it, it's, you know, it, I'm fueled by the rumors of what's coming and, and kind of, you know, having educated guesses at what's coming to hold off on this big um, because. You know, that's probably the best Intel iMac that we'll see, but I'm very curious what the next thing will be and if it will be redesigned. And I'm, I'm sure that that matte, you know, finished or display layer won't go away. Um, so yeah. maybe in 2021, I add to just the single MacBook Pro. Um, but but on the same side, like I'm super interested in, in, a, in a very portable machine that I just use for, for you know, kind of blogging. And um, you mean, you mean like a 12 inch MacBook? <laughs> yeah, like if they, <laughs> if they do that with an arm chip, I am just it's gonna be an instant purchase because um, you know, for the for the space stuff, I'll go out to um remote viewing launch sites and and I'll bring my MacBook and I'll have it on, like on the roof of the car and I'll be trying to you know live tweet and, and run some things that way. And um, it, you know, it, it's 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 great to have that if you want to bring your desk with you, but if you just want to have like fast input. And it's something super portable. It it also it kind of feels like bringing out a big screen TV, um, in in a place where it's not really welcome. And so I really want something that's super portable. That that you know it it does add weight to the bag and everything. So and I also I lately have I've been primarily traveling by motorcycle, and um, you know I'll go on three hour trips. I've been on an eight hour trip on the bike, and in that situation, you know a couple of pounds doesn't make a difference going to the car, but if it's on your back the whole time, you know, then it kind of does. So I kind of want to optimize for, for travel. Um, so next year, I think there'll be some more Mac purchases in my life.
1: Yeah, I feel like we're going to have you back next year, and you're going to have all <laughs> different equipment. So yeah. Let's just
0: <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. just need to get a Mac Pro with wheels and yeah. have it like a sidecar for your bike. Prom solved. That would be awesome. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Steven could ride on it.
0: Yeah. yeah. The wheels are great. <laughs> uh, you know, I, bet that, I don't yeah. know how they would do out on the open road. But we'll see. I bet they
1: are. <laughs> just, I can just see Stephen with like a little, like one of those old fashioned motorcycle helmets, straddling Zach's Mac Pro, and his feet. You know, it's like like have stirrups on it, like a horse. It's you getting know,
0: very specific. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm being
1: descriptive out. in case any of the audience mm. members want to just draw that for us. Oh, yeah, go
0: ahead. <laughs> Prototype it up. <laughs>
1: yeah. Anyway, um, well, uh, Zach good on you for uh for minimizing your gear but i have no faith it's gonna stay that way
2: and neither do I. I i i hate going on the record talking about it because you know the best intentions are to just stay with what you have and ride it out and then then the new thing comes and it's like well you, you find reasons to justify it especially when you can sell something and kind of fund the new thing then it then it feels less obnoxious <laughs> I mean, we'll, literally,
1: we'll as we're recording this, by the time we get to the end of this episode, there could be a 12-inch MacBook with uh, Apple Silicon in it. And yeah. Zach could be changing his mind during this episode. That's, my, that's I mean, my wish.
2: My priority is, like, I really, I didn't upgrade the watch this year. And then, and that kind of paid off with getting a, an opportunity to review one long-term. And and that kind of satisfies the need to, to, to play with a new thing. Um, then... The phone like would be the most interesting thing, if not for the timing of the iPad Air, which is, is like well, it's kind of neat, you know, like the colors and, and touch ID and the and the power button instead of having your hand over the camera and it's like move your hand on the iPad Pros, but then it's the arm Macs sort are of the most interesting, and that's where I spend most of my time uh, professionally is on the Mac, and so that is like top priority if I'm buying new things, you know, is, is Mac and then iPad and then phone probably. So, and, and, you know, buying one kind of means
1: probably don't do the other two or or at least one of the other ones. Yeah. I, I think Steve and I are the same boat. We are, I'm fascinated by this transition and I just can't wait to see how it actually happens.
2: I mean, I, I really want to run Instagram on the Mac and not be able to do it on the iPad. Because like, <laughs> if, if you just run the native iPhone app on your Mac, then that's so neat. And that's actually useful because, you know, with the different sites of the network, we try to keep an Instagram account active. And, uh, you know, going to the phone for that isn't 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 great. Uh, just having it out on the Mac all the time, that's like, really useful. So I, that, I'm so excited for that ability. Uh, as long as they they don't, you know, turn off the feature. <laughs>
0: This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by One Password. Go to onepassword.com/mpu in all caps to learn more. Sign up for a free 30-day trial and get 20% off. One Password is my go-to way to keep my logins and other critical information safe. Because it syncs everywhere, it means I can get into my accounts on my iPhone, my iPad, my Windows laptop, my Mac Pro, wherever I am. OnePassword password is with me. Because 1Password always supports the newest technology, it means that I can log in with Face ID or Touch ID, depending on the device that I'm on. And with macOS Big Sur coming soon, they're even going to have that login capability on the Mac. Just automatically, I'm really looking forward to it. One new feature, 1Password recently announced, is partnership with Privacy.com. You can now use 1Password to create virtual credit cards in the browser to make online payments more safely. You can create as many virtual cards as you need and control where and how they're used. So if that number gets stolen, it doesn't matter because it's a one-time use number. Your actual credit card number is safe and sound. That is a really, really cool addition to 1Password. So you can learn more, sign up for a free 30-day trial at onepasswordcom MPU. When you sign up, you'll get a massive 20% off. Our thanks to 1Password for keeping us safe online and for their support of the show. So, Zach, you're a, uh, a big proponent of the Apple Watch. It's a lot of your coverage at 9 to 5. Uh, you, you focus on that. And we're coming now about a month after Apple announced not just one new Apple Watch, but two, the SE and the Series 6. WatchOS 7 is here. In fact, there was an update just today to address battery life concerns on Watch OS 7. I kind of want to see how you uh think about these two new Apple watches. The first time we've ever had two new models. What should people consider when trying to choose if this is the year to upgrade or not?
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, I think for a lot of people, these two are are less maybe not for this audience, but for most people, it's less of an upgrade. Or it's more that is, are you going to buy this watch? Is this going to be your first Apple Watch now? And when you're having that decision as a first time buyer, then I think the then the Apple Watch SE is the default, and then you need to decide should you go up to the Series Six or maybe try to find you know there's there's also the Series Three in the lineup still. So is that is that more in your budget and and fit your needs, or you know is it worth trying to find a deal with with a with a Series Five still out there, or a Series Four? So um yeah I think is I I found SC is like the default and the and the naming is kind of funny to me because it's it, I don't I don't know I don't love the naming but it, I can't think of a better name for it they they got themselves in a corner with the the series number names because it it is better than some older watches and everything um but it, it's a it's a very good default watch and and I imagine that it'll stick around for a while before it gets updated the series 6 if you already have an Apple watch then I think I think coming from a series 3 is the place where you go to a series six if you've got a four or a five then it's it's it is an upgrade I mean you get the always on display and you know you, you get ECG and you get the new blood oxygen sensor but I think you need to have a specific use case for those things and then needs to really solve a problem for you to upgrade because we're probably a year away from another redesign. And so, if you have if you have the four, then then maybe wait because I, as I use each one of these watches, it kind of can pick up each one, and there's not a whole lot of differences day to day with how I use them. Uh, I, I'd say like Series Four and later, I'm I'm happy with using, even with the always on display in the Series Five. Um, for me, the way that I use it, it it's not a break or, make or break deal, and sometimes I turn it off just to get you know if I'm not going to be able to charge as soon as I want to, but. And even if you've got like a if you've got a first gen watch, I mean any any new watch has an upgrade, including SE. If you've got a Series Three, then the SE is an upgrade, and it's probably a pretty good option compared to say, but you know, spending a whole lot more on an upgrade. But that's kind of where I'm at: is the SE is the default, and then you really need to have a reason to want a six. Whether it's you know health features, like if I was buying a watch for my dad, for example, I would have to buy the Series Six for him because. It would be the different health features, you know, having the ECG, having the blood oxygen sensor, just in case those those become useful in the future. And I know that he'll use it for a long time. Um, the SC, you know, lacks some of those things. It's got some pretty good health features too, like heart rate detection and I believe fall detections there. Um, but the ECG one is the one that you see the most in the news of this feature is believed to have saved lives. And and that's
1: that's something that's that's pretty powerful, I think. You know, the thing about the SE, I can't get over is I don't, Apple has never told us what SE means, right? No, not, I mean, I not even with the it, Mac days, right? Yeah, I, I thought it was like, is that a small phone? Is that what it means? So it's a small, but it's not a small watch, you know? I, I really don't, maybe, do they know? <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not actually, it's not really a special edition. Um, yeah. Definitely you know, and, not a special edition.
2: With, with the iPhone SE, the first one that was the size of an iPhone 5, like that was the cheaper, smaller phone. So it fit both of those. With the current iPhone SE, it's the size of an iPhone 6, which is not super small. It's still the most affordable, you know, and then this new iPhone lineup that will be announced by the time this is out, you know, that'll change the kind of the dynamic of that. But on the Apple Watch, that's where it, it fills the, the least... You know, it doesn't fit the most, uh, I think, but I don't know of a better name for it. Maybe, maybe if they called it Apple Watch Sport, you know, like the original lineup included. Um, but, but it it is a good default to start from, I think, is is the SC, and then you can see do you, do you want to have the higher end, or do you want to save some money and go to a Series Three? Um, and there's some things like you can only have cellular on this on the SC and Series Six now, um, unless you you know buy it from somebody that's not Apple. Uh,
1: but but yeah, what does SE stand for? They probably don't even know either. <laughs> yeah, I, I I do think that like they realized when they had the feature where you can put it on your kid to track your kid's location or an elderly relative that may have trouble, you know, remembering things, that they realized. Well, there's only one watch we're selling that will work for this, and it's our most expensive one. And you know, coming up with something, you know, less expensive that can still work with that whole system was a good idea but I, I almost feel like the whole se thing is an afterthought
2: yeah maybe next year it'll make a lot more sense if the price goes down and the series three goes away because in watch os7 there's the mode where you can set up an apple watch for a family that may not have an iphone and so it could be an, an elderly family member or a kid and um, all you need is an apple watch series four or later with cellular and then that can be set up from your phone and it has its own number, and you can you can manage certain things from your phone. If it's a kid's watch, you can even put it in the school mode where it has a special watch face that includes analog and digital time, and it's like bright yellow like a school bus. And it limits you know, who you can ta- contact and what apps you can use. And teachers can look at that watch face and know, oh, that's the school mode You know that, that this watch doesn't use for cheating. Um, that's all very cool. But then they, they got rid of the cellular Series 3 as a new thing, and they don't support – the school mode, or they don't support the family mode on Series Three cellular that that was previously sold. So that that's where it's kind of weird to me is it's not the cheapest watch, which is kind of the one you might go for for family, you know, especially kids when you're not worried about ECG, which which doesn't really work with kids anyway. Um, yeah, so maybe next year if it goes down to one ninety nine, it makes more sense as the 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 affordable entry level you know, watch, but uh, right now it's a little bit awkward in that it's not really the one that you buy for your kids when they still sell the series three for, for 200 bucks. And then you, but you can't use the series three
1: for 200 bucks with that family mode. Um, it's, it's kind of an awkward place for it to be this year. Yeah. I could totally see in a year from now, they release a series seven, the SE stays exactly what it is right now. Exactly. The price goes down to one ninety nine. the series three drops off the line and then it's kind of a better story.
2: Yeah, and by calling it SE and not a series number name, you know you can have like right now series three SE series six. You kind of get that there's a three year gap between three and six. If it's SE series seven and they get rid of the series six as they they've been getting rid of watches each year, then it's just oh, it's kind of like right now it's SE and six, so you don't make that big comparison and, and generation gap.
1: You know, I hadn't thought about that. Maybe that is SE. It's multi year because yeah. the phone was the SE phone was multi year. That's right.
2: Yeah, but what yeah. about in the Mac in the Mac SE days? Because that, that's before my time. But
1: <laughs> oh no, the SE thirty was the special edition. That was the lust computer. That was okay. the one I wanted to sell a kidney to buy. If there was yeah. one computer I ever really wanted, <laughs> that was it.
0: Zach, do you have any any feeling on how often a typical Apple Watch user may upgrade their hardware?
2: So so right now, I think that the, like any Apple Watch that isn't the first generation is a good Apple watch. The first generation, you know, it, it did not age well at all. Um, But, but series one and series two, like those are getting long in the tooth now. And, and if you've got one of those, then you're going to be very happy with any upgrade. That that's, that's, that's a positive. If you've got a series three later, if Apple still sells your watch, then it's, and it still supports, you know, watchOS updates, then, then an upgrade, unless you're kind of an annual upgrader, or there's something that you really want to try, the watch doesn't change that much year to year that an upgrade is, is essential. Um and I find that the people that I know, family and friends, that I, I rarely see them change their watch year to year. Um, if if at all. Like my mother-in-law still has a series uh one. My dad has a series two that I gave him, and some friends of mine have their series fours when when they first got Apple Watches. And when Apple when Apple talks about watch sales, they don't give any kind of numbers out, but they do talk about how many people are first-time buyers and it's still the majority, from what I understand, is that that most watch sales are not upgrades, but they're first-time buyers. So we're still in that phase where, you know, may, maybe it changes this year, next year, because the Series Two didn't get Watch OS Seven support, and the Series Three doesn't get as many new watch faces. You know, and if they drop the Series Three next year, then then especially, I think then that says anything. Series first generation to Series Three is is needs to be upgraded. Um, if they break compatibility with your phone, then that that's another one. But it, I think it's still a lot of a lot of first time buyers and not a lot of upgraders yet, except for the more tech, technical types where we want to test everything new and
1: and have the latest thing. Now, one of my favorite features with the Series Five, in fact, the reason I did a one year upgrade last year was the always on watch face. And Apple says this year with Series Six, it's it's brighter. I've never really had a problem seeing it with the existing brightness of my five, but um, how material is the difference between that brightness as a tester? It's tricky for me to
2: test because I've got the series five with with the always on display and I've got the series six with the always on display that's supposedly brighter at full peak. It's still 1000 nits as the peak brightness that that you can have and that's when the screen's active. So the always on screen when it's kind of in, in dim mode is some fraction of that. And the Series 6, because of the removal of force touch and that whole layer and a bigger battery inside, then they're they're allowing the screen to turn brighter when it's dimmed in sunlight. If you're indoors, you're never gonna see the difference because it's always gonna be a lower fraction than when you're outside. Um, but the tricky thing about it is, the Series 5 I have has the Sapphire display and the Series 6 I have is the IonX display. And the Ion X display is just better at being brighter in bright sunlight. So it's meant for that, – that's kind of the not, – not just to be cheap, but also to make – it's more for, you know, using as a runner's watch kind of thing, a sports watch, where it's, it's, it's easier to have a higher brightness with the same nits, just, just more legible in sunlight. With the sapphire, it, it's, it's less it's, – it's not going to scratch as easily, but it, it's also going to be a little bit more dim to view, even with the same brightness level. Um, so it's hard to compare because the series five that I have is always going to be a bit dimmer than the series six. Um, but what I can tell so far is that it's not an, an overnight like make or break change to where if, if it didn't work for you before now it will, or if it was okay before now it's great. It's, I would, I would be hard pressed to find that as a, as a change this year, if it wasn't announced. And I think the change that they said was like 20% or something like that. So it's not much, much brighter. It's just a little bit and only in those outdoor scenarios. So if you're outside a lot, maybe it's a big deal. And if you've got the IONX glass on a, on an aluminum model, then you're going to see that change. But if you're going from a steel watch to an aluminum watch,
1: you're, you're probably not going to see that change. Yeah. I'll t- I will say that I just love that feature. I mean, that that's the biggest improvement to the Apple watch for me since it launched just anytime I look at my watch I can see what time it is as silly as that sounds
2: I think for I think for me it might just be just a how long of one watches thing and it's been off and on before but um, I, I got so used to and, and my enthusiasm for the watch I got so used to the way that the original watch worked you know for four three four generations that when the series 5 came out it's like it, it is a great thing but I had a, a big battle with battery life and, and getting through the day. And I got used to turning that feature off and kind of managing the feature. I really wish it was a control center toggle. So if you're like, I'm not gonna make it back to a charger before, you know, bedtime and you you could toggle it off because you've got to dig in through settings to do it right now. But but I'm mostly happy either way, but I'm glad it's there. And and it's it's something that would be cool on the phone too. I think on the phone might might appreciate even more just having the phone sit on the desk and see a new alert come in without
1: You know tapping it or anything it's cool technology though yeah now um you and i are overdue for a a fitness competition and (laughs) you'll probably destroy me because my gym closed but the um (laughs) uh, but i you know i know that you're very active with the fitness and the watch um how have things changed for ios 7 we didn't even really cover ios 7 on the show because we ran out of time but uh we also knew you were coming in we wanted to get the story from you
2: yeah, watch OS seven. Like, here's uh, here's one of the things that I think that that most modern watches are are, are pretty good for anybody is because the fitness features are, are kind of the same. The always on display in the Series Five or Series Six changes a little bit because when you're and using Apple's Workout app, that's an app that does update in in the dimmed mode. Um, so you can, and that makes the watch feel faster. So I'm I'm going for a run with the Series Five or Six. And I glance at the watch to see, you know, what is my pace? How long have I ran? Um, time or distance? Then that's where it feels faster because there isn't that half second of delay of the watch turning on. Even if you're making the same gesture, you kind of glance at it in that dim state, and then it brightens up, and it, that just feels faster. And when you're kind of doing a, a high pace activity, then a second feels a lot longer than it does just kind of hanging out. Um, but but feature wise, I mean, it, even. Series 3 and later is where the watch really became a big a big sports watch for me with the ability to have LTE and do all the things um, where you've got GPS for tracking runs, and you've got cellular data for streaming music and sharing location um, and having e- even more accurate location data with LTE. So Series 3 and later is really where the sports stuff comes in for me, and it hasn't changed that much beyond always on display. Um, what I'm really interested in is Apple Fitness Plus that's coming, and I've had an idea for a few years where the, the Apple Watch, it's so good at showing you here, here is every workout that the watch can track, whether it's elliptical or treadmill or rowing, but you've got to do your own research into knowing what even is an elliptical. You know, how do you how do you do a rowing workout? What do you need for that? And and then beyond that, you know, how what what are the kind of goals and metrics you want to look for? And it's all your own research. None of it is kind of documented by the watch itself or even on the phone without you going and looking for something with fitness plus, I I kind of view that as now there's content. And if you have to subscribe for it and pay for it for the workout app, that that's, it's not just here's access to, to exercise classes, but also, you know, here you've got the watch now. We're all using the watch too. And the context is your activity rings are on the display. We're showing you data, goals, you know, shouting out goals that you might have for this exercise. And in even the movements, you can watch what we're doing and try and recreate that. So I'm really curious and really excited about Fitness Plus, even as another subscription service that you've got to pay for, just because to me it's a big part of the other half of the watch experience and, and, and not just... The watch can do these things, but but showing you how to do them and and giving you practical goals to, to try to achieve with it.
0: Yeah, I think that integration they're, they're going to be able to do with the Apple Watch definitely sets this apart from some of the other services. right? Like since COVID, you know, our gym has been closed too. My wife and I have found a couple apps and they have videos and you're kind of following along. But the tracking and what's going on are sort of distinct experiences. So I am excited to see how they bring those things together. I think it's super clever in their part to say, "Look, we have the watch, we know what's going on, we know where you are in the video. Uh let's let's make these things more connected."
2: Mhm. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. And it's one of those services where I would pay for it anyway, but it's going to be included in the Apple One services bundle, the premier one for I think 30 bucks a month. That I also pay for anyway, so it's kind of going to be a freebie for me, or at least make that that bundle a better value. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't wait for it, and it's it's been neat. You know, Apple's going to give away three months of service when you buy a new watch, which is a good promotion. Best Buy and other retailers have done a six month promotion so that you try to get the watch from them instead, and it's it's kind of cool, like seeing Best Buy do a bundle for a service that's not even out yet or a promo. Um, it's I'm excited for it, and I, I did some research into like all the trainers for for the Apple Fitness Plus service because they said trainers that you you'll recognize or you know I didn't know any of them, but I'm not yeah. deep into into that world. But what what I found is that the majority come from um, SoulCycle or uh, you know that that kind of a thing where they're they're known trainers. If you are in that world, so mm-hmm.
1: like no one from Peloton, but definitely from from their competitors. So I am kind of surprised that maybe and maybe that's the next penny to drop in this that Apple doesn't have like hardware that they sell that you know like get our bicycle or get our rowing machine and mm-hmm. it's going to connect to this app i mean i could see them going that direction at some point
2: yeah years ago they introduced gym kit where the watch you 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 know you wave it next to a a, a treadmill or an elliptical or a bike and your watch pairs with the machine and so if you're on a treadmill for example the watch can share your heart rate with the machine without having to have your hands on those metal pieces on the treadmill or wear another Bluetooth heart rate monitor Um, It uses the watch for that. And then from the machine, the machine can share your exact speed and incline so that the watch has a better idea of your pace and everything. So you get the the most accurate data Um, because the watch otherwise really can't tell incline at all, you know, uh, on a treadmill because you're silvering in place. So, so that's been a thing for several years but it hasn't been on anything consumer it's been gym kit it's been made for for gym equipment that costs ten thousand plus dollars um, the, the peloton bike plus is the first thing that's you know under ten thousand dollars I think it's fifteen hundred dollars or so that has gym kit so that you can you've got and that's just a bike uh, a stationary bike so you, it's not a treadmill their new treadmill doesn't have it so there's definitely a, I think a need to see more consumer you know home gym equipment. And that's that's what I'd expect the most versus Apple kind of doing their own thing is to find companies that already make consumer gym equipment, not stuff that's made for the actual gym, you know, industrial stuff, but yeah. something that's you know fifteen hundred dollars or hopefully much less, and and that changes the experience of using that equipment. And if there's a fitness plus tie-in, then then you know they're going to be using machines on their videos. So I think there needs to be kind of a a, a th- they can't recommend the gym kit stuff yet because it doesn't exist. It's, it's only in the the high end stuff that you'll, you know, you you can, you can buy. Um, So I hope they, they make that partnership more than they have so far. Um, So that, that at least they can say, you know, this is what we recommend if you're using
1: fitness plus as your treadmill, Uh, you know, your, your bike or your elliptical. But it it is interesting though, like as an, they create an ecosystem that they don't really participate in. I mean, they, the home kit, you could make the same argument. Like, Mm -hmm you know, Apple of a different age would probably have light bulbs and switches and everything with the Apple logo on them and they'd be overpriced, but they'd work. (laughs) And, um, you know, they just don't seem interested in that these days.
2: Yeah. And there's, there's some rumors. I think Mark Gurman of Bloomberg has some reporting on Apple, um, looking into doing their own light bulbs, at least or their own hardware. Um, and, and with iOS 14, one of the new features in HomeKit is the ambient light temperature stuff where, Kind of like true tone on a, on a microphone. The the light temperature changes throughout the day, so that at night it's warmer and during the day it's it's cooler to kind of match um, you know outdoor light and indoor indoor light. And Hue makes temperature changing bulbs, and and I don't think it's like it's it's made it it's reached iOS yet that it's actually shipped yet. And it's one of those things where you know if Apple did their own light bulbs, they'd have it on day one if if the feature was finished. So it's it's
1: definitely I wish they could do more in that case. And the one thing I would like to say is if you are a Peloton owner and you love it, you do not need to write me. It's okay. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, it reminds me of the old days with Sonos. Um, I've got all these listeners and even some of my legal clients that are just so into their Peloton bikes. And I get, I think it, it, it scratches a very similar itch as being in the Apple ecosystem. Mm-hmm. I think they take really good care of you. They charge you for but people mm-hmm. that, that, that go in are happy. But you don't need to ride me. That's okay. Yeah, That's okay.
2: I, I've I've uh, I had a Peloton bike for a while and was pretty happy with it. But biking isn't cycling isn't really my thing. Um, running is is more what I enjoy. And their Peloton tread is like this super high end treadmill that cost over four thousand dollars. And they sent me yes. one on yeah. loan. And I fell in love with it. It was like the best treadmill belt I've ever ran on. And it just, should be. <laughs> yeah. The, the display is like a big iMac Pro in front of you, like 34 inches, and space gray kind of color. But, um, you know, it's, that's not, never something I would purchase on my own, and I had to send it back, you know. And, and there's
1: definitely a need for like, you know, sub $1,000 equipment that works with your watch in the same way. Yeah. You know, the, the funny thing I've discovered about myself is, while I've been going to the gym for a while, the thing I really didn't like about it once I admit to myself is I don't really like the coach yelling at me the whole time and loud music, you know um yeah, so I have a bunch of free weights. I've been kind of slowly adding to my gear, and I got this app called Fitbod, which is sixty bucks a year, which is less than one month of gym membership here mm-hmm. and um the uh it gives me i tell it all the equipment I own, and as I keep adding equipment, the gym i'm holding up air quotes grows. And it gives me a workout, and I do that. And I I just play like YouTube videos that I want to watch, and I sit here and do my workout. So I'm not sure I'm going to really be a customer for Fitness Plus. Do you think you'll have the Apple One bundle? Yeah, the, I'll probably will. So Apple. I'll have access to it. But I, yeah. I just you know, I don't need somebody yelling at me. I'm good.
2: You
1: know? <laughs> yeah, and um, I mean I, I'm kind
2: of right there with you. I, I think I've had a very good experience using Peloton in the past. Especially with running, like you can take an iPad and, and use the Peloton app, a digital app on, on the iPad. And I've, I've never tried to seek out a running coach before. And it's all just kind of been, you know, what I listen to and what I read to, to, to try. But having someone kind of show that on a video and you're watching it, you know, sometimes in real time, I did, I have found value in that. But if I'm doing the elliptical, there's there's not a lot of coaching involved there. It's it's me doing the elliptical, and that's that's like my movie watching time. You know, I'll, I'll say I'm going to do an hour session and, and get through this movie and break it up into you know a few parts. So yeah, but I, but I am excited about it because I think it's it's a big it's a big you know how to use the watch. Well, this is this is Apple giving you a big answer. You know, you don't have to kind of figure it out on your own.
1: This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com MPU and make your next move and enter offer code MPU at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. We've talked about Squarespace before. It is the place to go when you want to create a presence on the internet. Whether you want to make your next online store, portfolio, blog, maybe you're just going to have a baby and you want to share that with the world. You can do that through Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about that stuff. Squarespace has got you covered. They have award-winning, 24-7 customer support if you need any help, and they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. You can even customize them. And anybody can customize a Squarespace site and make it look like just their own. I've done that with both the maxsparky.com site and the sparksysq.com site. So both my day job and my Max Sparky job have websites that were built with Squarespace, and I'm not alone. We've heard from so many listeners over the years that built their websites with Squarespace, whether you've got a restaurant, a medical practice, or maybe you're getting married. Uh, Squarespace is the place to do it. They make it super easy for anyone, and the plan started just $12 a month. But you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com/mpu. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain, and to show your support for the Mac Power users. Once again, that's squarespace.com/mpu and code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their support of the Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Uh,
0: so Zach, uh, I think it was maybe earlier this year. So one thing I want to ask you is the history of it. You have, uh, while also writing for 9to5Mac, you've branched out and you launched Space Explored, which is now part of the 9to5 the family of websites where you are covering uh, the space industry, which is something you and I share uh, with my show, off. I love Space Explored. I love what you're doing with it. So congratulations on on the Thank launch. You. Um how did you get into this? It's it seems like it's uh a, a little bit different than your your everyday coverage you were doing.
2: Yeah, and and i I'm gonna be honest, I listened to a few episodes of lithoth before my space interest and then I, you know and it's it's cool. Afterwards it it's been like the biggest resource for me because i, I went back from the start. I listened to like the first or, or like the, the most recent episodes. I was going backwards for a long time. Um and I was it was it's just so neat to have like I wanted to learn more and having a a two weeks you know worth of information discussion of like the news of that week was mm-hmm. so valuable. So, um I, I think I might have completed all the episodes. I was <laughs> 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 I was working backwards and I was working from the start. I might have met in the middle of, at some point, but um I love Liftoff. It's so cool. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah. So, uh last November 2019. Yeah, sounds right. I saw a tweet go by, maybe got retweeted from the NASA social account, which I didn't didn't know, you know, what NASA social was, but it's kind of an outreach uh, program where um, NASA tries to get people who um, have have audiences that are not space related and share, you know, a current space event with them, and then the idea is that more people are exposed to what's happening. Um, at least with NASA and their partners right now, and um, I it, it was a tweet inviting you to apply for to attend a rocket launch, and it was. Uh, December the fourth was the launch. It was a SpaceX Falcon Nine launch, uh, commercial resupply services mission to send uh, cargo to the International Space Station. And I didn't know what any of that meant, really. And, you know, it, it, I just thought, oh, this is cool. Like, I'm, I like space in theory. You know, I like, I like, uh, you know, kind of sci-fi stuff, and and this would be very neat to go to and do something different. And and I applied and got accepted and got to go to. Uh ended up being three days because of the first launch day the 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 rocket didn't lift off. But um was surrounded by really smart people in all their fields, you know, different uh, you know, I was kind of coming from the Apple Reporter background. Other people were, you know, social media influencers with fashion or, you know, other areas. One guy was like a deer hunter and he had a whole YouTube channel about deer hunting. And <laughs> but then there were there were a number of people who also were just like super interested in space and and, sure. and that's why they were there too and um i i felt like like if i'm around you know the average person then i kind of feel like i'm i'm the apple expert in the room mm-hmm. um and and you know i've been doing five max since 2013 so i've got 7 years of experience to draw from i felt like i was the dumbest person at least the most ignorant person about space in the room when we were having lunch with all these people and um i had no idea about like nasa's plans to to go back to the moon with the artemis program i had no idea that spacex was you know had been around since the early two thousands, and that Blue Origin was even a thing, and you know what ULA was, and all this stuff, and and how, and that launches were happening from you know a few parts of the country, and you know how how uh, NASA astronauts got to space, you know, and and everything, and I went home, and I was just. Um, had enough exposure. You know, I was excited about seeing a launch in person. That was just amazing. And it was from what's normally a press location, um, the NASA Causeway, where you're about three miles away, which is a good bit closer. To, I think seven miles is about what you are from uh, Kennedy Space Center at the Visitor Center. So it was a really, really close experience. You know, seeing the, seeing the launch, the fire was much brighter than I ever expected. And then you know, then you kind of hear the launch, the, the sounds, several seconds after once it reaches you, and then you kind of feel the vibrations and everything. So it was a really, like, high adrenaline experience, and I had a, a an eight-hour drive home after that of, I just saw a launch, and I'm going to be in the car for eight hours, and all I wanted to do was just, like, process everything I'd heard and, and like, saw um and so I went home and like all I could think about was space stuff and like I wanted to learn more and liftoff became like my walk a dog podcast and <laughs> uh, you know it was like here are two people I already know Jason Snell and and, uh, and Stephen Hackett and and I I know and trust you guys and you you were like my coaches and um there was a point where like okay that's that's pretty good background information for at least the last year of events um so I've got a little bit more context now. And, um, you know, I was, I was, reading books and watching, you know, documentaries and movies and everything. And, uh, then my boss, Seth Weintraub, who started the nine five network had mentioned that he's always been interested in, you know, not space so much, but, you know, kind of aerospace and he's a pilot and everything. And he's, he said, you know, there's, there's always been room for a, a site that at least covers, um, you know, plane news and things like that. And, we have a drone DJ site where it's all about, you know, drones and aerial photography and everything. And he said, maybe it could be part of that. And I was, I was like, I don't really want to work with another team. I'm I'm kind of, I'm kind of used to being in charge of nine to five Mac. And what I want to do is create something all my own. So I kind of let his idea sit there and then I pitched him more and more on my idea. And he was like, you know, we'll, we'll see. So then I think last February I just built it and launched it and, it was my, like my spare time hobby of just, I've got, you know, now that I know what's happening in space, where it was before SpaceX had launched astronauts from the U.S. and had their first human space flight, there were a lot of big markers coming up that I that I wanted to be able to share with people who followed me for Apple News um, and kind of expose them in the way that I was through NASA Social. And um, so throughout the day working on NFI Mac, I'd save, you know, I'd see things on Twitter. I kind of had the experience of, of knowing the best places to follow to find breaking news in Apple. And I built that same kind of, you know, followership of following different accounts and people, reporters for space stuff. And so I was learning things on the fly and saving it to read later. And Space Explored kind of started as, if I want to read this, I need. I, I also want to share it. And so um, it was the place where I processed my reading list and say, you know, in, in the context of a, a greater context or for an audience that's coming in, because you you care about the latest iPhone rumor, here's what this means, you know, at, in big picture uh, scale. Mm-hmm. And that's where it started and it was just my side project like on nights and weekends basically from February through May and then um right before the demo 2 uh, launch and at the end of May, my boss was like, "So, you've been you've been doing this, you're dedicated to it. Let's bring it in house." And <laughs> it's like Really, that's that's so cool. So all of a sudden, you know, it, it's linked from nine to five Mac at the top of the page, and and instead of like me doing my own WordPress thing, it's 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 on WordPress VIP with the other five sites in our network, and um, just way more resources and things that I write, I can hand off to our copy editors, and I'm getting paid for it. So that that's been tremendous. Um, and then because it's it's now you know it's much my job as nine to five Mac. I've been able to go to to press events. So for the Mars twenty twenty Perseverance rover launch, I got to go to that as press, and I'll get to go to the Crew One launch uh, in November as press, and and it's just it's it's happening so fast. But it's a total dream that I didn't even know I had come true. It's so neat.
0: Yeah, my falling into it was was not that dissimilar. I went to a NASA social in twenty fifteen. It was a supply mission spacex was flying and actually they lost the their rocket on that flight which was (laughs) very interesting being there because with with nasa social you kind of get to play press like yeah you get to be in the press briefings and it it is it is a really cool program there'll be a link in the show notes if you have any interest in space they have these uh, all over the country you don't have to just go to florida in fact the second one i went to was in uh in huntsville but is a neat way to get to kind of see behind the scenes and they lost that vehicle. It was uncrewed. It was just, you know, sending food and science experiments and clothing up to the international space station. But that was, it was so interesting to be able to be there and we had already started liftoff, but that, you know, that exposure through NASA social can be, can be a really big deal and it can be fun to get to go and, and see things behind the scenes and, you know, uh, when I was in Huntsville getting to see like actual hardware that will fly on the SLS, which is NASA's new rocket they're building. Yeah. It's really incredible to get to see this stuff up, up close and, and ask questions and, and yeah, being three miles away from a rocket launches, <laughs> it really incredible. And the, the Falcon nine I saw, it didn't break up until it was way down range. It was, you know, well on its way. So it's like, it blew up on the launch pad. So you saw most of the experience. launch happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Plus, but, more. <laughs> But, yeah, it's it really is a remarkable thing, and I definitely want to do uh, more of them when travel is a little bit uh, more possible. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, one thing I find interesting about, about Space Explorer is that you have built out that team, and you've been able to uh, expand that uh, to be, like you said, beyond just you. Right. How do you go about managing a team of, you know, contributors and editors and and both on the nine to five side and space Explorer how do you go about that sort of work?
2: Yeah. So I've, I've been involved with, I guess this, the past several years of nine to five Mac hiring where, you know, um, Guillermo Rambo was, we all, we all knew him as the person who was leaking iPhone 10 information from a home pod firmware that went public on accident. Mm-hmm. And that fall we had someone send us the, 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 the final version of the iOS update for that year. And um, before the event and everything, it had way more information, but we kind of hit a dead end on what we could find as, from just putting it on our phones, uh, as reckless as that was. And so I contacted uh, Rambo and Stephen Chowton Smith, and I said, We have this. If you want to work with us, um, I'll share it with you and just, just post it. You know, let us post it first before you share it and share it with a link to our coverage. And that was my first experience in like seeing there's someone who has a talent that we don't have that I wish was on our team because we'd be stronger for it. And it worked out with Rambo, um, you know, to, to the point where he's, he's, he's helped us so much with understanding what we're looking at, you know, with the past several years of leaks. And then uh, Felipe Esposito is another person who we hired. They both are from Brazil. And um, he had found titanium and ceramic as, as, as finishes for the Series uh, 5 watch through a firmware leak as well. And um, – and so it's like there's these people that, that we, I, I think are talented that I wish were on our team because we're covering what they do. So why not have them join us? And and it's worked out. Um, you know, I think you're friends with Bradley Chambers. He he was someone who I knew from podcast, and um, I, I was in Chattanooga for something with family. And I knew that he lived there, and I and I said, I know that you're a runner. Let's go run together. Mm-hmm. And a conversation from just running together and getting to know each other in that experience became a job offer to the point where, like, I don't think we could operate without him right now. He's so useful um, for everything he does for our network. And so that experience kind of gave me, um, you, you know, the, the how-to of how to find talent and, and integrate them into our network and and work together. And so for Space Explored, I felt so fortunate because I've got a 7 years experience with 9to5Mac and, like, going to Apple events and, you know, um, I've had some really cool, like, private meetings and things like that. So, so I've got the confidence there. And and the experience with like recognizing talent and wanting to bring them in to now with Space Explored, everything is modeled after 9 to 5 Mac, where, you know, there were a couple of guys, uh, Seth Kurkowski and Daryl Sasse, who do a podcast um live on YouTube called Rapid Unscheduled Discussions. Um, like rapid unscheduled disassembly, but not <laughs> not that. Um, so they call it RUDS, but um, but they're both just like super knowledgeable when they're doing this, this podcast is just a total hobby. They're not making money from it and they don't care how many people like tune in and listen and watch. And, um, you know, they're, they're on a strict schedule for it. They take it very seriously and get good guests. And so they, I was very interested in them. And then, uh, Seth is kirkowski is a nine to five Mac reader as well. So when I followed him, he was like, why do you follow me? And I was like, oh, I'm getting into space now. And, uh, so I came on their podcast and at the end of the episode, I was like, by the way, if you guys ever want to contribute to Space Explorer, the door is wide open, I'm, I'm looking to build out a team. And that went from, you know, kind of a conversation on, on, on a video call to for the Mars 2020 uh, mission uh, earlier this summer, they they came to stay with me at an Airbnb and I contacted my uh, media person with, it was the uh, 45th Space Wing now as part of Space Force, so it was Air Force, not Space Force and said, hey, I've got two photographers with me. Can we get them press passes at the last minute? And it it worked out, and they're photographers, and they're really good. And I had a chance to leave a camera out at the launch pad for that that uh, Mars mission. And so I had the press pass for that, and they had the camera gear and experience. And we did this thing where we rehearsed what we would do settings-wise, placement and everything, and I, I had, like, nose in a notebook. And on the morning of of leaving the camera out there, I was on the phone with them and they were like walking me through what I was doing. I was talking out loud and, you know, going through the steps of leaving me a camera where where a rocket is about you know going to launch in 24 hours and not being a photographer beyond the iPhone, you know. Um, and that experience was just so good that it made Space Explored feel more real than just my personal, you know, kind of project. And they were excited for it. And Seth Krakowski is somebody who has done kind of an ambassador program along the Space Coast to get new people involved and and caught up to speed. And so he knows everybody on the Space Coast that's anything related to media. And so he was just a natural fit. Um, Same thing with Daryl. And then there's been a situation where somebody who was just a 9 to 5 Mac reader and podcast listener, they said, hey, it's cool that you're doing Space Now. I'd love to contribute if there's ever an opportunity and a few months went by, and I said, "Now there is one," and, and they just happily joined. So it's been so cool um, taking the, the experience from nine to five Mac, and just you know, even when I'm talking to them about like what what the workday will look like, um, there there's some hesitation of like, "Well, this is kind of a new thing, so how do we know how it's going to go?" And I can say, "Well, seven years of nine to five Mac, we've we've got a really good rhythm going, and it's going to be just like that." So it, it's it's largely the experience, you know. And, um, but, but it's, it's, it's all helped by nine five Mac is like the, the anchor
1: of the network. Can you share just a little bit of the workflow, like what from idea to post? I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces, I would assume.
0: Yeah,
2: it's, it's the big thing comes from just that, that feeling that I had from seeing a rocket launch and being around very smart people to, what did I then? What I did when I went home, which was just soak in all the information from podcasts and and documentaries and and, and online articles. So what what I want to do is is just like share those methods with other people and have Space be kind of the, the medium for where to find that information. Um, and and I'm, hopefully I'm getting better at that every time. But um, in, in general, it's it's let's take a look at this this news story. That's one piece of information today, and if you're following it closely. It's a very specific thing, but let's try to make it big picture so that like you can send it to you. It's kind of like if you were to send a, a really technical document to uh, a grandparent, and you want to make it really easy to understand and relatable. And so it's that same thing, but it's people who are you know maybe in their twenties and thirties, and they're technical on the phone and on, on the Mac, but they don't have the the context or. I guess kind of the the luxury of being able to like sit on space Twitter and like watch things as they happen and develop and have that context all together. So that's, that's kind of the approach um, with the people that I bring on. They'll often be acronym heavy, and they've been following this stuff since they were little kids. And so they're, they're really in the know. And I have to remind them often, look, I wouldn't know what this meant six months ago, you know, 12 months ago. So we have to keep that in mind. Um, so that's, that, that context is kind of helpful of just of, of of thinking about a new reader, and we try to do that for Mac too. But but nine to five Mac can be pretty technical sometimes. So there's a, there's a little bit of assumption that you've been reading for longer than than just today um, for for a lot of the in depth stories. So, um, but that's that's the big thing is is just trying to consider the audience and then you know look at what what it's kind of a feeling what excites you what what makes you feel like well I could write this later you know, or, or skip it. If it's something that just you, you want to share the news right now, you want to share your knowledge about it with other people, then it just kind of, kind of gets you. And, you know, this is a thing that I want to post as soon as possible. Um, and, and that, that's, that's kind of the
1: feeling is, is what kind of drives it. Yeah. I have the same experience. It's like, I have to get it out of my system. Anything yes. I, I make, it's cathartic. like, I make it cause I have to, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. I think if you use that as a guide, that helps.
0: Mm-hmm. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. While you've been listening to this podcast, how would you know if your company's website had gone down? Or maybe a personal project? How would you know if customers couldn't click that buy now button or access your content? You could stumble across the problem by luck, but that's not good because you need a system. You need something to tell you everything is running smoothly on your site, and more importantly, when it's not. You need Pingdom. Pingdom detects, get this, 13 million website outages every month. That's more than 400,000 outages every day. Pingdom keeps your site and the sites that you love online. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company, you need alerts about any critical website issues. They'll let you customize how you're alerted depending on the severity of the outage Plus, they'll track and analyze your website's load time so you can see what's affecting the user experience. If you have a site of any size, you need Pingdom. And Pingdom has a no-fuss approach to getting started. All they need is the URL you want to monitor, and they just take care of the rest. So go to pingdom.com slash relayfm right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. When you sign up, use the code MPU at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of the show and Relay FM. Zach, you know, one of the
1: favorite things I like to talk to guests about is little apps and services that are helping them get through their days that listeners may not know about. Sure. So you got any fun ones you can drop on us?
2: Yeah, I'll do a few space ones just because we're we're just getting off the topic. But um, there's an, another site called Supercluster that is just terrific, and they have the best design, and they have some really cool merch, and um, and they do some really cool stories. But their app, Supercluster, on the iPhone is, I think, it's the the best app for getting alerts about launches, both in the U.S. and internationally, um, with with context of like this is this is when it's launching, this is where it's launching, this is what it's sending, and here's how to watch it. Um, so Supercluster on the iPhone is a great app to have. Um, another one, there's a couple more. X-Launch is one that that's it's mostly SpaceX-centric, but it also has integration with with Space News from different sites. And so that's one that if you kind of want to, you know, tip, dip your toe in this area, uh, it's a good one to have. That's X-Launch. And then Pocket Rocket is a name that usually gets people's attention. It's an app that is all about SpaceX and tracking launches as well. But its party trick is that it uses AR kit. And so you can see the different SpaceX rocket hardware um, and use Apple's augmented reality feature to, you know, see it through your phone or your iPad. And I think that's really neat in, in terms of, you know, like I've I've got a model rocket of, of a Falcon 9, and then I've got this app. And the app is more detailed than than the model is because it's it's you know, it's been crafted that way. So so those are three that I really like. Um, and then there's interesting hardware that I found. So, um, with, with, with the launch coverage, when you leave a camera at a launch pad where you couldn't safely stand, but you can leave a camera there.
1: Yeah. Let me just interrupt there for a second. So you told me about this last week and I, it took me a while to process. So you're putting your camera in some place where, what would you get vaporized if you say that? I mean, I don't, what, what, what's the risk? if if things go correctly you're probably okay but if there's an a
2: loss of vehicle you know explosion on the pad then then yeah i think you're you're gone <laughs> okay uh, it's lot, like the splash zone one at SeaWorld,
1: world but much worse
2: yeah it's it's, <laughs> yeah. it's actual life or death um yeah. and so with any remote camera that you leave out there it's you there's a a known risk of losing the camera and hoping that the sd card at least survives but yeah, so you've got to leave cameras out there. But then, then there's how do you trigger the camera um, at a specific time. And there's the, this piece of hardware called MyOps that it attaches to the camera and you can trigger it triggers the camera by sound or light, or you can use the myops app on your iPhone to create different scenarios like X number of minutes away plus sound so that it isn't just sound like if it's thundering that triggers it, but only sound in this window. So my ops is something that I did not know existed before this experience. And now I'm obsessed with them because you can also do not just rocket launches, but like storm photography, um, and you know, like water drops and it's all that, what you couldn't do with your hand without shaking the camera or something but, but you, you know, with, with a trigger, with, with light as a trigger or sound or just timing, um, you get some really cool stuff. So so MyOps Plus
1: is, is the name of the hardware.
2: And, uh, and,
1: and now it just works with SLR hardware or would it work with an iPhone too? I mean, I don't know. the uh, I've never used it before.
2: So the MyOps itself, it has an iPhone app, but it's mostly it's meant to manage the MyOps and do do scenarios that you couldn't do with just the MyOps uh, hardware itself there's hardware that you can buy to, to use kind of the myops equivalent for your phone, but it's because it's so niche, it's, it's super expensive and kind of untested, but there are launch photographers who have left iPhones at launch pads. Uh, Michael Kane is someone's name who comes to mind who, you know, to, to do these with, with, with your cameras, you know, like you said, you're do, using a DSLR. Um, it's gotta be weather resistant and, um, you know, be able to stay in place. So you're like mounting them on tripods and like, uh, putting anchors in the ground to hold them down. And most of the time you either use a weather bag or you have a, a plastic box that you have around it that keeps it safe from any kind of weather or or damage. And um, Michael Kane is someone who's used, you know, he's got probably an iPhone 11 or so. And his old iPhone 8 Plus was just hanging around. And so he wanted to figure out a way to do this remote camera launch photography from the iPhone. And he built a box that has an iPhone 8 Plus and probably some MoFi batteries and um, a, fa- a USB fan to keep everything cool from overheating. And then he leaves the camera running as video, and then he takes stills from the video as like launch photos. Um, and he's got some other tricks because it gets very like shaky, and everything. So he's got some things figured out there that I haven't done yet. But, um, but yeah, it's it's that's all been just a brand new world for me, and I have a whole new respect for the the jobs of the photographers because without them, I couldn't do any of it. Um, but, but that's, that's a, a, a way I'm using my devices now.
1: <laughs> yeah. So you've got to make it not only secure enough that it doesn't just tip over on its own, but when the blast wave comes through from right. the rocket launch, I would assume that's right. Cameras hit some stress. And
2: I've seen, I've seen cameras fall over from wind or storm, you know, that kind of thing. And I've seen, um, scenarios where you, you've, you've got to, you know, pick the ISO and, and your focus and everything, and, you know, it's all manual. And sometimes you leave it out there and you just, you don't get anything because your settings are wrong. And like, if you're setting up for the daytime and the launch is at night, then you've got to keep that in mind that your viewfinder, you know, your your live preview isn't what you're going to get at that, at that time. One thing that they they won't let you do is anything that has that broadcast, even Bluetooth. So if, if it has that, you know, like you couldn't leave a phone out there and just stream it. That's not allowed. Um, They, they would, they would come and take it away. (laughs) But, But that would, that would be kind of a cool thing. Um something else i've've gotten into recently is I guess action cameras in general um, both from leaving them because you, you can you can also like leave a GoPro and have it run you know and and have it um, trigger but but doing that uh, at launch pads has got has got me into the got me into just using my GoPro more because I've always had a GoPro of some type and I've always felt like I don't have the lifestyle to really use it like get get cool stuff from it but this has changed that. And then I, I got into motorcycles over the summer and um, I got a handlebar mount for that. And I've just had a blast with, with using the GoPro and um, you know, setting it up from the phone and everything. And like having the footage go back there. Uh, the most recent thing I've got into is Insta 360, which is this Insta 360 twin is it's an action camera with a lens yeah. on both sides. And it's, it's the thing you're probably familiar with that Like the Apple store sells them. If you've got the stick, on it, it 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 gets rid of the stick in the image for you. But I, I just got one of these to test on my motorcycle, and I've had a blast with that. And that's the next thing that I want to do is is um you
1: know to leave one of those out of the pad and get like a three hundred and sixty degree video or, or photo. So um, yeah, I I actually bought an Insta three hundred and sixty camera last year, you know, just as a toy, and I've had so much fun with this camera. I'm, I actually am surprised I haven't mentioned it on the show, but it's like an indoor drone when you yeah, see the footage because yeah. you've got it on a stick, but you can walk around in a building and just put it up on the stick. And it, it, it's amazing. I don't know how it works that, you know, cause it, it removes the stick from the bottom of it and you can Pam the entire video. Super fun. Yeah. So it, it's that. So, so cameras and it's all, you know, part, part of this is, I guess my theme here
2: would be that something that kind of bothered me with, with my Mac coverage is that from nine to five Mac being work, um, the way that I used my Apple products was to talk about Apple products. And it just felt like too, um, you know, inward facing. And you kind of lose focus of how do regular people that aren't covering Apple products use Apple products and like why? And the whole space scene has gotten me into seeing, oh, this is how photographers are using, you know, their Apple products. And this is how they're holding on to like really old versions of software and, and, and Mac OS updates and that kind of thing. And, and the same thing with these, these action cameras I've been doing using with, with my motorcycle, all of a sudden I've got footage that I've captured because I just love riding and I want to share that experience, you know, and now I'm finding reasons to use like final cut on the Mac, you know, when I, when I
1: hadn't had those reasons before. Yeah. As you're looking to hire people for nine to five Mac, uh, I would recommend looking for people who have non tech jobs. I yes. mean, my, my best stories and ideas for Max Sparky often come from me being a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, happens it gets you outside
2: of that bubble that you might
1: otherwise create. Yeah. Well, guys, I think it's time that we climb into the DeLorean. I'm going to go ahead and concede. Here. Yes. <laughs> the DeLorean, Cause I, I can tell how passionate you are and, um, let's, why it, was it 88 miles an hour? That's all right. We'll see you on the other side. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Indeed. Go to indeed.com/mpu to get a free $75 credit to boost your next job post. One of the greatest challenges we all face is taking all of the information available to us and knowing where to focus. This happens in all areas of work and life, including hiring. With Indeed, you have access to the largest pool of talent and can hire the right people quickly. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people and fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored job posts, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com MPU. Now that's their best offer available anywhere. So go right now to indeed.com/mpu. Terms and conditions do apply, and the offer is valid through December 31. So get on it. Our thanks to Indeed for their support of the Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. Wow, man, time travel gives me like whiplash. I feel a little nauseous.
2: I was looking at my watch and I had on the calendar MPU2
1: and I just couldn't help think, but uh, like, like MCU too. And I was like, we're in the end game now. Like, yeah, we are <laughs> in, in game with magnets, lots and lots of magnets, all
0: recycled. So what'd you guys think? There's a, there's a lot to think about. Uh, I guess let's knock the HomePod mini out. Cause I think that's the easiest thing to sort of wrap our minds around. Uh, it's a tiny, adorable HomePod at a price point that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I I am. I, um, I just posted at Max Bargy. I feel like this whole thing started with someone going to a whiteboard and writing ninety nine dollars. <laughs> and it's quite many when you look at the comparison of the main the regular HomePod. Uh, it's
2: it's you know shorter than half. It's like three quarters of a pound heavy. And if you you know pick up the regular HomePod, it's quite heavy. Um, the verdict is definitely out on how will it sound? Will it sound like a hundred dollars speaker? Um, yeah. but the presentation I thought was like, man, if they would have had all of this ready for the first HomePod, then this is, it would be a lot different for the HomePod. But, um, yeah. in reality, like they're showing things that the HomePod can do now,
1: but in this affordable
2: price. So it's, you know, yeah,
1: it, my takeaway is HomePod brains with not a very good speaker. That's probably going to be, but, but I feel like this thing will sell like crazy. Like my I would my, my barometer is my immediate family, right? I already, already, my daughter already like, oh, that would be a really good Christmas present for me. I'm like, we have like three HomePods in our house. She's shown zero <laughs> interest in them. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And another thing is um, I, I've lived in an apartment before the past year. I've been in a house and uh, soon i will be in an apartment again. And the HomePods are kind of a no-go on at an apartment. If there's someone above or below you. And yeah. just that that base. and so there's no. I don't think there's a, a subwoofer in this one, so I'm kind of hoping it's it's apartment friendly.
1: Yeah, it, it's interesting though that the actual HomePod didn't get mentioned. Like, there's no update. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's not still there. Yeah, I, I had I had to go make sure it was still for, you know for sale, <laughs>
2: and yeah. it is, but it's still three hundred dollars. You know.
1: Yeah, but it is kind of curious. You know, but when, when, one thing I one thing HomePod, the main one does get
2: that Mini will not get is. This new feature where you can permanently have Apple TV four K, so not HD but four K, um, permanently use your HomePod as speakers. So that's that's new, and some software updates that are coming out soon that won't be supported on the smaller on the HomePod Mini for whatever reason, but but they will allow it on on the regular HomePod.
1: The probably difference. because they sound terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's like your TV speakers probably sound better. Uh, would be my guess. <laughs> sure.
0: Yeah, I guess I guess we'll find out. I mean, the thing is only three and a third inches tall. So, a hey, that's adorable, right? Like, I just want to put googly eyes on it and have it as a pet I carry around. Yeah, but I I, I would guess that it's going to sound better than other things in in this part of the market because it's Apple. But I, I do think that a full blown HomePod would probably blow it away. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. I want to talk quickly about Intercom. Um, that was something I didn't expect. Did, were you guys aware of it? This is a brand new feature, right? This isn't something I just missed. Didn't You didn't miss it. It didn't leak. Brand new feature. Yeah. Okay. So I think in hindsight, it's obvious. And if you have a couple of these in your house, I can see them getting used. But I also wonder, you know, I remember walkie-talkie, which kind of came out the same way, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know anybody that uses walkie-talkie on the Apple Watch, but but uh, it seems to me kind of like a cool idea of combining, you know, the Apple ecosystem, the demo where he um, did the intercom from the car was kind of awesome. And I could actually see myself using that.
2: I, I got big into Amazon Echo uh, dots probably two, three years ago and I had a house that I rented that had, it was just huge and like it was spread out and I, I put dots in every room and it had this in, this kind of intercom feature where you could announce the messages to everybody and say, dinner's ready, or you could just uh, send a message to a certain room. But it didn't have that uh, iPhone and iPad side to it where, you know, you can also announce to a phone or an iPad, you know, including CarPlay. And, and that's kind of the Apple difference here. Plus, you know, I, I guess for $350 and then $300 with HomePod, it wasn't, a big focus yet to, to do this and, and they will work with intercom. Um, but now that
1: they've got a hundred dollar version out, then, then there's something that they made. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Steven? I mean, you, you your office is separated from the house. I could see this actually working for you.
0: Uh, it is. Hopefully it's a setting that I could turn on and off on my home pod in the studio. <laughs> Cause for instance, I have the wake word. It doesn't work on the home pod in my office because if I'm, on a podcast and I say the magic words or something close to it. I don't want my home pod going off in the background of my recording. So uh, hopefully there's a setting there. Um, But yeah, I think it's, I think it's super clever and you can see how, yeah, you're not going to put a $300 home pod in your kid's room, but you may put a home pod mini in there or like in a hallway or something because it is just a lot smaller. And the home pod always demands attention when you see it because it's so big and this, I think, you could put. And in fact, they showed in some of their shots of that like cut cutaway house set, which was I, a really I cool move set. There, by the way, <laughs> yeah, I, I just yeah. want to live there. The house looks awesome, <laughs> uh, even if it was only half house. It looks. Uh, really I cool. don't care. Yeah. But you know, the HomePod Mini kind of blends in. You know, it's it's with a lamp and some pictures, or it's on a shelf. Like I think this will fit into people's homes more easily, even from a visual perspective. So yeah, I think this is going to be. A home run uh we've got two home pods we had three the one in our bedroom died and it was out of warranty oh, no. And the out of warranty replacement was like i could just go buy another home pod so it's like well let me just hold off and we haven't had one but we've missed it and so the home pod mini are definitely picking at least one up for our our bedroom which will be nice too because it is smaller you know i definitely had that problem in our room where the home pod just dominated the dresser it's like okay well this one is small and adorable and it won't be as a uh, massive presence if you will compared to that I, I,
2: you could buy three for the price of one now yeah and yeah. There, there, there was also a feature in fine print that I saw uh I th- now you can set an alarm or maybe it's coming soon set an alarm you'll wake up to 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 a song on Apple music
1: like you've always been able to do in your phone but mm-hmm. now you can do it from the music speaker too yeah I I, I hope the home pod gets some new life I feel like you know it, it has had a less than stellar debut but I'm glad that they're still working on it. Yeah this this keynote
2: was a good uh, presentation of all the things that the main HomePods learned over the last several years because most of it, except for intercom, has been there added over time. But HomePod Mini was a good reason to let's go back and do another presentation because none of this was there for the first HomePod, um, and now it's it makes it more compelling. Not to mention the price.
0: It was a much more compelling pitch than the than the first time that they got on stage and talked about the HomePod, which is like, oh, it's really good at music and also has some smart stuff. And this felt like a way more balanced presentation, which I think is more similar to what people actually want out of products like this.
1: Although I will say it was a poor a showing of my my actual home, HomePod that went off four or five times during the presentation. <laughs> you know? I mean, they, they got it. Why can't, I mean, they're Apple. Why can't you have your own? trigger word Mm -hmm. at one point i wrote down it can do 11 million machine learning operations per second or something i just want one of those to be let me reprogram the trigger word for these things
0: yes yeah you can do that on the echo and i think it's fantastic if you have a kid named alex or a kid named the wake word that's a bit of a bummer you know but you can you can set your echo to answer to uh you know hello computer and that's pretty fantastic
1: Uh, my daughter's name is sarah Okay, mm-hmm. so um, I have had to apologize <laughs> to her for that. I'm like, I didn't know they were going to do this when we gave you the name. Sorry. <laughs> but just think about how many times I say, hey, Sarah, a day. And I'm saying that quietly because I'm afraid my HomePod is going to go off.
0: <laughs> He's got to start saying, yo. Yo, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sarah. Anyway. Be the cool dad.
1: Yeah, I gave up on that a long
0: time ago. I feel that
1: iPhones, iPhone 12. I, one of the big things that was shocking to me, we're not going to summarize all the news because this is coming out several days after the announcement. If you're listening to Mac power users, you probably already heard all the details. But one of the things that stood out to me was how many of the features are across the line. The fancy ceramic glass, the you know, A14 processor, the, um, the new display, you know the super high density XDR, super awesome display, whatever they call it.
0: Yeah, OLED is on the cheap ones now for the yeah. first time.
1: Um, they really, I mean, the iPhone 12 is not a second class citizen in any stretch of the imagination.
2: Yeah. We're so far removed from whenever the, you know, the, the 10 was clearly the next generation phone ever, the eight and the eight was the main phone, but then the 10 S and 10 R was confusing. It was like the 10 S is the main phone. And then there's a subversion, which is re- the, actually the main phone. You know, they got better with 11, 11 pro And, and now it's super clear that the 12 and even the 12 mini, like those are default phones from past years. And then the pros are just super high end phones that you need special, you know,
1: specialized use cases for. Yeah. Yeah. And the 12 mini man, uh, well that was rumored. So it wasn't a surprise. I, I, I couldn't help but think, I really hope that guitar guy who did that James Bond riff made some money today. (laughs) They, uh, they went straight to it, but, Mm -hmm. um, and did you see the demo where they had the guy with the huge hand holding the 12 mini? <laughs> if you watch the video, there's like a five-second clip in there. They got this guy, like, you know, massive hand holding this small phone. I am just thinking, oh, come on, man.
0: Yeah, that, that's fantastic. <laughs> and What's cool about the 12 mini is, like you said, it gets all the features of the 12. Uh, we don't know about, I guess, battery life in the real world. That may be a, a little worse because it's just smaller, but... Compared to the iPhone SE, it has a, a much larger display 4.7 inch on the iPhone SE, 5.4 on the 12 mini. But the 12 mini is physically smaller in every dimension and it weighs less. And, you know, my wife has an iPhone SE because she wanted the smallest possible phone. Now, she doesn't really like Face ID, so I don't know if she would spring for this at some point. But for those people who have wanted, a small phone with new features, this really is the first time that's happened since the first SE. I mean, Zach, you just mentioned the the 8 was kind of the old generation phone, and Mm -hmm. the, the new SE is basically the iPhone 8 with more modern internals, right? It's the same design, same layout. But the 12 mini is a modern iPhone with Face ID and the A14 and all of that stuff just a lot smaller and so i think people who were kind of on the first iphone se bandwagon where they wanted you know that the phone had touch id and had the same processors the iphone 6s which was new at the time i think this is going to be really popular I, I don't it's not for me but i think there are going to be a lot of people who are really happy that they can get a new iphone that is as compact as possible
2: and the, the mini name, I wasn't crazy about it when it kind of was rumored, but it's kind of grown on me because they really have taken what is the iPhone 12 through 12 Pro Max and miniaturized it in the same casing, um, just smaller without compromise,
1: from, as far as we know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They I didn't hear any distinction. And we can talk, there are distinctions on the Pro, but on the, the iPhone 12, they, they're the same phone, just one smaller. Yeah. And lighter and probably worse battery but very small in your pocket. And, you know, half of our species wears pants with smaller pockets than the other half.
0: Or no pockets. I mean, it's... Yeah. I, I would lose my mind. The The thing that I think is interesting, too, about the 12 Mini, and I, I'm really curious what y'all think about this. It's very hard for Apple to walk back a product decision. <laughs> and I just, like, I wonder, like, are we just going to see, say there's a 12S or a 13 next year, is the Mini now something that we're just going to see moving forward? Or is it kind of like a one-off and it will stick around and kind of become the new SE over time? I'm hopeful that it's the former, that it that it sticks around and is updated in line with all of its siblings. But I could kind of see Apple, kind of like the Tim Cook, Jeff Williams, Operation King Apple, maybe letting this kind of slide and become the cheaper phone next year. I don't know.
2: So, so they're still selling the 10R and 11. Yeah. Uh, so, that, so they've got some. They could at least get, they could get rid of the 10R and keep the 11 around for another year. But, but hopefully they 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 keep it going every year because it's 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 not something that I think I don't, I'm not sure it can be as cheap as the other phones can be after a couple of years
1: because it's it is still high end. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a bet. I mean, they're laying a chip on the table and they're going to see how it sells you know, and if people like it and they buy enough of them, I I would imagine they have plans for an iPhone 13 mini, but that doesn't mean we're going to see one if the thing flops. Yeah. But it's a nice, you know, overall, I mean, this has been an overarching theme of Mac power users. I think in the last six months is I think we're all observing Apple finally kind of getting its house in order in terms Mm -hmm. of products. And I mean, the phone is a good example. We have a small phone, a regular phone, a fancy phone and a big fancy phone. And, yep. you know, that kind of makes sense. I want to talk about some of the the general features that go across the platform. The first one, you know, isn't as big of a shock because of all the rumors, but the new industrial design. Mm-hmm. Zach, what do you think of it? That's the most appealing thing to me because uh, seeing the newness is is what makes me have that kind of envy
2: of having that phone. Um, so more than five G and things we'll talk about in addition to the design, um, just just that design is it, it looks like a, a very small iPad Pro. Um, and if you've got, you know, the Pro Max version, then it's not that small. Uh, it's just a, a slightly smaller iPad Pro. And, and and that looks good to me. And um, I wasn't su- I wasn't so sure how it would look and, and feel because the rounded curves of, of the current phone since the, the 6 um, are kind of nice, especially with the bigger screens because it just fits in your hand really nice. But the way that cutting off the sides and flattening them makes the bezels look so thin it's, that's a pretty cool visual effect because just looking at it screen on, you don't, you know, there's the bezel of like the screen, but then there's the side of the phone that kind of bulbs out on the current phones and these new ones, they just look like they've been shaved off on the sides and they look very thin. What do you think Steven?
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I was just here looking at the press photos and it, it does look very tidy. You know, I, I didn't mind the, the rounded edges, but it did make the phone a little bit slippery and it couldn't sit up on its side or, you know, and sometimes that was, that was nice to take, <laughs> take a photo like in the iPhone four and five days, but I think it's a nice modern look. And I think it looks really clean. Now they're sort of marred by antenna lines. And if you're in the U S the, the phone that is compatible with Verizon, it has like this big, weird cutout on the side. that looks like the Apple pencil charging pass through on the iPad pro, but other than that, um, I think it. I think it does look really nice, and I think the flat sides do a lot to show off the new finishes, especially on the Pro models, with where the rails are stainless steel, like that blue stainless steel and the gold. And they've they talked a little bit about they're using, you know, new uh, issue, uh, new technologies and building these things using PVD coating and some other things that they've used on the watch but are newer on the iPhone to really make those stainless steel bands shine. And I think that I think that this is going to look really high end. Like if you pick up an iPhone 4 or especially the iPhone 5 and 5S, those still feel like really premium products now all these years later. And I think they've aged well in part because of the flat sides. And I think that this is going to make the really the the design language that this is killing started with the iPhone 6. I think it's going to make lo- make those phones look a little bit chunkier than than they actually were.
1: Yeah, I mean I think we can all agree, I mean without any dispute that the iPhone 4 was the best looking iPhone ever yep. so far. And yeah. um and uh, if you disagree, you can just email Zach. I'm sure you can find his email on 9to5Mac. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, but either way, I any getting back to that square edge to me is like I love that look so much. And what I didn't expect, I mean, we saw the leaks with the cases, but what we didn't know was how reflective it was going to be. And uh, I noticed with both the iPhone 5, I'm sorry, the iPhone 12 promo and the iPhone 12 Pro promo, they, they were really dialing up the reflectivity on the devices. So I'm really curious to see one in person, but yeah, man, I am in and I hope they don't go back to the bar of soap round design for a very long time. And I'm just waiting for this squared off watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The the glass thing seemed like a bigger deal than people expected. Um, four times better improvement for glass breakage with the ceramic coating. I suspect ceramic will scratch, but maybe I'm wrong. But uh, I'm looking forward to the YouTube videos, because you know people are going to be doing crazy stuff with these phones to test that glass next week, probably. Um, But what do you guys think? Is that a big deal, or is that a whole home deal?
2: So so for me, um, my experience with the recent iPhones has been that a few years ago, they were scratch resistant, but they shatter easily, and then in the last two years they've been more shatter resistant but very scratch prone and this is like the this is like the best of both of those where it's both shatter and scratch resistant uh i think ceramic if it's like what you see on the the stainless steel watch and, and higher is that they won't scratch and nick as easily and, okay but but they, they they ceramic in itself is more prone to shattering if it's dropped on a surface but because this is just a coating that hopefully there's a layer there that also resists against
1: the shattering so you get the best of both so that, that's what i'm hoping for at least ah uh-huh. maybe i got it wrong i i hope so um but well i mean these things are gonna be out in a couple of weeks so we'll mm-hmm. and there are crazy people on youtube that will do crazy things to brand new iphones you can you can count on it
0: yep it's a whole industry out there
1: yeah the um we didn't get the touch id button um you know i i wanted that but you know i also realized that the design time for these things is a lot longer than six months and they didn't know about COVID last year. So too bad on that one. Maybe next year.
0: Yeah, hopefully Uh, I think it would be a really nice addition. I'm looking forward to seeing how that works on the iPad air, which is as of this recording, you still can't pre-order. I don't know when that thing is coming, but um, yeah, it's still just face ID. And obviously that's a little difficult in our, in our current era, but time will tell. Uh, If they're able to, to bring that next year.
1: Something that's too ho-hum for all of us is every year when they come out and show just how amazing their current Silicon is, you know, (laughs) and once again, this year, it's like, what they say, 50% faster than any competition. And it's just congratulations to the Apple, you know, Silicon team, because they, uh, every year they just race out ahead of the competition. And I think that's really the foundation of so many of the features we've got today. I mean, the reason why you can apply HDR to every frame of video is because you have a processor that can keep up with it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, they're they're killing it, right? And they're <laughs> steadily marching towards Apple Silicon Max. We didn't see any any about that in this event, so I guess maybe there'll be a third event, uh, maybe in uh, in November or early December, but yeah they continue to fire on all cylinders and like we spoke about in the iPad Air sort of aftermath they didn't go into a lot of detail on the A14 and we saw more of that here you know they clearly they wanted the iPhone I think to carry the torch for the new processor yeah. but sometimes that's not how it works out you know there have been times where the the iPad is ahead or or behind it just it varies a little bit but yeah they continue to do uh, really good work there. And and I, I would imagine too that like the A14 could be one way we have the the iPhone 12 mini because it is going to be so much more efficient. That's a huge deal for them every single year. And in a smaller phone with a smaller battery, that's a really important aspect of this. And so mm-hmm. again, Apple knows everything that Apple is doing internally, right? They they work together, they bring all these teams together. So I would imagine that the the A14 and the iPhone 12 mini coming out at the same time. That is not by mistake. I would imagine those were really done hand in hand.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You go. I think you, guys, you go from seven nanometers to five nanometers. And mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure like what a nanometer looks like, you know, at a glance. But it's very tiny. Uh,
1: yeah, every bit helps inside that yes. small case that's packed to the gills with with technology.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, it, it's Zach. I can explain. It. It's 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 the five nanometer <laughs> is two less than the seven. <laughs> yes, <nanometer>. it is. <laughs> yeah,
0: a little bit. It's a little bit smaller. It's not you quite take a nanometer smaller. and another nanometer. A little bit more than wait. one. A little bit less than three. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. I, the, the, the iPhone 12 camera system got a one six lens. Nice. And, um, I think, you know, having pairing the widescreen lens with the standard lens, I think is the right move. Um, you know, that's, that's a solid camera.
2: Yeah. This, this, this seems like for iPhone 12, even the, you know, many in, in the base iPhone 12 that, these cameras answer some of the, the 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 obvious fixes that were going to be coming to the eleven family of phones, like the fact that you couldn't do night mode with the ultra wide camera before. Now you yeah. can, and the same thing with the front camera. So it's like that—that's the kind of year for year evolution you come to expect, and and they didn't disappoint with that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and nice colors. We didn't mention um the, the nice crop of colors this year.
0: Yeah, yeah, they they want to tweak that every year now, like they did in the iPod days. I think that's a way to not only show that you have the new phone, but it could be an enticing reason to upgrade if you're on the fence. Uh, one thing we haven't talked about yet, though, that's across all the iPhones, is MagSafe. They've they've brought that name back, and what this this is a, basically a, a series of magnets in the back of the phone that can align couple of things. So they're using it with their cases. And as of this recording, there are no leather cases on the store for these new phones. They're all the silicon rubbery cases, which makes me a little sad. I like the leather cases, but they're using magnets to help keep those cases on. And if you look at the front of the cases, they don't go up over the screen the way the current ones do and kind of grab. And so the magnets are helping keep those on. They also have a leather wallet Thing that you can attach with magnets this may be the first year i try to become like an iphone wallet person i think i'm gonna explore that but most most interestingly is the charging puck so it looks like a big version of the apple watch charging puck like that's kind of what i thought of and it mm-hmm. it snaps into place with the magnets you can use it through one of apple's cases And interestingly, that charging puck also works on phones as old as the iPhone 8, which is when wireless charging was introduced to the iPhone. So those phones don't have those magnets. So I guess you still have the same problem that you have to kind of line everything up. But I don't know about y'all. I don't really have a problem (laughs) hitting my wireless charging pad. Like maybe I've just gotten good at it over the last three or four years. But this is cool, but I don't think it solves a problem that I had. I don't know. What do y'all think?
2: I think the, I think the biggest thing is that it's it can do up to fifteen watts now, which is uh you know you're doubling this the seven and mm-hmm. a half watts that yeah.
0: you could do before. And you trade and nanometers was, for watts is what you're saying.
2: <laughs> that's right. And and it, I hadn't thought a whole lot about it, but um in in the keynote they sh- they showed you know missing the the, the magnet all so that you you weren't charging overnight at all on a wireless charger. Or not being perfectly centered so that you aren't getting the full efficiency of wireless charging. Mm-hmm. And with this, with the new phones, then you you are. And so you can and you can have wireless charging, you know, 3x faster than that five watt puck uh, the charger that used to come in the box. So
0: yeah.
1: You know, there's a part of me that just loves the kind of slash Lego nature of this yes you know just like i can oh and they they stack magnets that's the other cool. thing you didn't yeah. match you know you put the rubber case on but you can stack the wallet on the back of the rubber case and you can even charge through the case and um there there's something about that and it's an open you know it's magnets and as we saw anybody can make stuff with magnets i doubt you have to go through an apple you know certification or anything Because they're magnets, just like with the watch band, people just make stuff that fit it. Mm -hmm. Um, So we could have this very interesting ecosystem of cases and connectors and things you can snap onto your phone. And I hate prying cases off my phone, like the Apple clear plastic case I keep on my phone. But then every time I go to take it off, I feel like I'm going to break my phone trying to get that thing off. And uh, that solves this problem. My only complaint about this is the name because it just feels like a dagger through my heart as I look at my MacBook with no MagSafe on I'm like, oh, you can get MagSafe now from Apple, but your computer still doesn't have that cool thing where you can unplug power.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, But Apple is a company that brings names back, right? MacBook has been back and then died again. They've reused iBook before they renamed it all, just Books. They're not opposed to going into their history and reviving a name, so
1: that yeah, saves money on legal.
0: Yeah, you already got it <laughs> trademarked, right? You just you just dust that off and keep using it.
1: You want to talk about the iPhone 12 Pro now?
0: Yeah, so it it continues to be the the top of the line. I think they've like we were talking about a second ago. They've done a good job at saying you know the 12 is the standard, but if you want more. Uh, the 12 Pro is here for you. And so it still comes with the, the three cameras uh, and it comes with LiDAR, which they're using not only for AR, but what I think is really cool is for uh, focus and low light. And that means that you can do night mode portrait photos now, which, I mean, look, Apple's examples on the website are all under ideal conditions, but they look really impressive, really impressive. And so I think that camera stuff on the pro just like last year will definitely pull people to that higher end if they're interested in that.
1: Yeah, I mean, so you get the better materials, the stainless steel, um it's it's going to be heavier and a more solid phone, I'm sure. You get the extra zoom lens and it's in addition to the the two standard lenses, you get the lidar sensor. Interestingly, in this case, we've got a difference between the two iPhone 12 pros um the uh the bigger one has a bigger image sensor zach have you looked into that at all
2: you know we're so close to the to the keynote i haven't had a chance yeah. to
1: dig in yet but but yeah. but
2: but it but it's it, it, i think it seems to be though that if you want to have the best low light pictures, photos or
1: videos in this case then the, then the max is the one to go with this time around yeah it's so it's so funny because I have been, the last several months, in my head, I've decided I'm going to get the small phone this time. I'm going to get the <laughs> small Pro. This will be the year. I had I had temporarily a small Google Pixel phone just to, to goof off with. And um, I'm like, yeah, this year I'll just go with the small one. And then they said 87% improvement in low light performance. And I'm like. Uh, that's massive. <laughs> that's mm-hmm.
0: it. Yeah. The, the sensor on the wide angle is better. Uh, the optical zoom also goes from 4x to 5x. On the Pro Max compared to the Pro, and the um the focal length, uh, there they're a little bit on the portrait camera is a little bit different on the Pro Max as well. I think it's from fifty something to sixty two, or uh, I forget what it was, but it, it it's slightly different. I don't think in day to day life the cameras are going to be vastly different, but I think if you do shoot in low light or you do um you or like you really push it i think it will, probably would be noticeable kind of at the edges you know at, at those extreme examples but i'm like you david i have had the 10 at the 10s max and it ended up being i thought too big for me so my 11 pro is the regular sized one which is smaller even than the 12 pro cuz the 12 pro picks up the old 11 10r and 11 size now so the iPhone 12 and 12 Pro are the same size. The Max is big, but I sitting here today, I really feel called to it for that camera stuff, even though it is like I just said, sort of, yeah, it's going to be better in low light and night mode will be better and and sort of those things. I, I kind of hate leaving that on the table. And so I might end up going big just for that, that camera upgrade, as slight as it may seem.
2: Yeah, there's pictures that you'll you you will actually miss on the other phones that that you will catch on the Macs, and that's for me. Just reviewing photos I've taken, sometimes they uh, it's rare, but sometimes I'm disappointed. I thought, I thought that was going to be better, uh, and it's not actually usable. And and with the Macs, then this year you're you're the odds are in your favor
1: that it's going to turn out well.
0: You're not helping, me, man.
1: <laughs> well, I, I, you know what you should do. I just looked before we start recording. In the last couple of months, I'd say about seventy percent of my pictures were taken indoor. And I think that's the thing, right? It, low light to me equals indoor, and um, yeah. if you take a lot of indoor pictures, then this may be, well, this will be a better camera. Um, if you take most of your pictures outdoor in big light, it doesn't matter; you're fine. Yeah, but that that might be a good way to kind of look into it. And you know, another thing is, we had like so I've got the big iPad, um, and then my wife took over my other iPad because it's a long story, but. But I thought, well, you know, actually having the bigger phone laying in bed could be kind of nice too. Um, but the, um, but I was ready to go the small. In fact, I started a thread in the MPU forums and asked everybody, you know, did like bigger, small, and wine. Everybody's very passionate about this. I mean, everybody has an opinion. I'm going to link that thread in the show notes because it's just kind of a fun thread to read. But, but I really think, you know, you know, it's like, damn it, Apple. Just when I was ready to go small, you, you, you made a difference between them. And and you know, even if it's not that big of a difference. I will be thinking about it every time I take a picture. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the other thing for me is I don't really notice the big phone. It doesn't bother me in my pocket. My pants are big enough and my hands are big enough. And it's, it's not,
2: redesigned this year. So it might feel more compact than it has been re- in, in previous years.
1: Yeah, it, it's never been an issue for me, but I did. I think the smaller phone is more comfortable, but it's not like a big deal to me. Um the LIDAR, is that gonna make a difference? I guess Steven talked about already. It it should inc- increase the um the the resolution or focus of your pictures. Especially in low in low light, it uses I mean it's, it was like a laser, right? That it uses yeah. that to determine
2: distance and where to focus on the, the subject if it can't see it otherwise. And that's a I don't think the iPad does that. Even though the iPad has LiDAR. I think that's just for augmented reality AR kit stuff,
1: not for the camera. And then I think you know, with this, they were reducing it for the camera as well. I like that it's starting at 128 gigabyte. I think that's smart. You know, it's like, so you buy the entry-level one. That's a good phone for most people. Mm-hmm. Remember the days of 16 gigabyte iPhones, guys? Wasn't that long ago.
0: Yeah, I was just, I actually was just thinking about that during this event and how that was so small. And, and now, you know, I have a a 256 gig phone, 11 Pro, and it's almost full because I have my photo library on it Uh Yeah, I mean, it's nice that they brought bigger sizes to the entry prices. It's nice that the entry prices are basically where they were last year, especially with the inclusion of 5G, which I feel like I don't have much to say about 5G. I haven't experienced it. It's in my area, I believe, even on my carrier. We're going to have to see how that works, you know. And one thing I did not like about this event was, Verizon's heavy presence. Not only did we have their CEO sort of yelling at us for 10 minutes, but it, they were like, oh, and with Verizon 5G, it does this. And, and I, you know, Verizon's 5G is, is different technically than some of the others because they're using millimeter wave and some of the others aren't or aren't to the same extent. It's, 5G is very complicated and Apple's got to play nice with all these carriers. But it felt like there's a lot of Verizon in this keynote that I didn't need, especially as a, a, as a former angry Verizon customer now on AT&T and, st- well, still mostly angry at my carrier. Like, you know, uh, I- I'm sure there were political reasons, but as a consumer watching it, I was like, man, there's a lot of Verizon in, in Apple's-, <laughs> Apple's keynote today.
2: It was unclear until they had the slide up. Is AT&T even going to be supported? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, do I have to switch to Verizon now?
0: Yeah, it kind of read as maybe they're only going with, I mean, I don't know, they're not, but it definitely read that way. Uh, And we'll just have to see, you know, people have to figure this out just like, just like LTE, right? With the iPhone five, there were complications and you had to make sure that the phone you got worked on your network and there'll be some of that with this. And you know, what will it mean to take an iPhone overseas? We all just have to work through that just like we did whatever it was six or seven years ago.
1: You guys want, you guys want some blind speculation? Yes, please. Yeah. I I deal with In my other job, I deal with a lot of people that like where one company really wants something and the other company is okay with it, you know, and quite often there are very interesting deals that arise out of those circumstances. In this case, we've got the carriers that really want the 5G to become a big thing. And we've got the biggest iPhone company or the biggest phone company. I could imagine a scenario where. You know, maybe Verizon is subsidizing the cost of these chips. I mean, the reason they're in all the phones is because Verizon wanted it. I mean, I could see a lot of backroom dealing going on as that phone came to fruition.
0: Yeah. Oh, definitely.
2: Yeah. My, my first thought was, oh, no, at and being punished for their... uh 5G E label that they, <laughs> yeah. that they put on LTE phones. They should be punished
0: uh, for that. Yeah, yeah they shift,
2: and, and it is confusing. Like I've got a pitch from Verizon in my inbox that talks about Verizon Ultra Wideband coming to 19 cities, nine stadiums, and four airports. Like, when have you had to think about stadiums and airports for having support for mm-hmm. you know a wireless version yeah. of cellular?
0: I'll say this though: the future of that, which is not here today. Like I say, future very specifically. <laughs> That, jam. that really could be cool, right? Like, we've all been to a basketball game or a football game, and you just have no cell service. Like, I know where, like, my college football team plays at the stadium, there are always, like, at and and Verizon trucks, like, in the area, like, beaming LTE at the stadium, right, to try to keep it. To keep it up. And at, at our NBA stadium, they've actually installed like really good public Wi-Fi because the owner of the team owns some high end networking company. But that is a challenge. Right. And if 5G can solve that, that'll be fantastic. Right. I would love to mm-hmm. be able to go to a football game and get a phone call. You know, if like one of my kids gets sick and I need to come home because uh, right now I just can't. And so that is. If that materializes, that will be fantastic. But we're nowhere near that now, unless I guess you have a five G phone, you're on the right carrier, you're in one of those nine stadiums, um, and I guess the pandemic's over, so you can go to a game.
1: Yeah, I was immediately thinking, of course, Disneyland, you know, where I go, and you've got poor coverage, football consistently. Yeah, exactly uh football uh, football for me then <laughs> but yeah <laughs> but yeah it's it, same thing you know you can't the place is closed you don't know when it'll be safe to go back if they do open it and but you know that that's nice uh, one concern i have is i've read some articles that will argue that the 5g is could actually be a slowdown under some circumstances and i don't really know the technology about it, I'm, I'm going to have to read into it. I, I don't want to yeah. uh, get into it today.
2: We, we, we did see that that these phones will selectively use 5G, I think, based on what you're doing, um, and, and then not use 5G, even if it's available, I believe, if it doesn't think you need those speeds. So that's I don't think that's quite what we saw when LTE was introduced with the iPhone 5 but it does seem to be a lot more selective about when to use 5G because of
1: because of battery management and power management. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like Apple's probably learned a few lessons along the way. Yeah. So guys, what are you getting? I'm down for a HomePod mini or two. I'm curious about the sound quality
2: and, and that includes in a stereo pair. The phone stuff, if, if I were to do a phone, I mean, they are compelling. I like the the iPhone 12 and 12 mini colors, the most like I like the red color, like the the blue on that one better, I think. Um, but I, I I've tried using a phone without the, the the two X lens, and I just use that camera so much that I can't I can't do it long term. Same. Um, th- there's photos that I miss again, you know. And so in in this case, then it'd, it'd be the Pro Max. Um, fortunately, that becomes kind of a November question and not a you know mid October question in terms of deciding when to buy, if to buy. But you know you know cut out all that i said before whatever whatever um i what i heart i think i could avoid buying it at launch but what would be hard for me to do is like avoid buying it like come february or march when i get kind of bored <laughs> and and so at that point why not buy one so you know i'm i'm still like 60/40 leaning toward buying one but and it would it would be the pro max and i i like that for the same 1099 price which is expensive but it's not more than it used to be, you get double the storage from
1: 64 to 128. And so that's nice. All right, Zach, I want you to listen to me right now. Nobody's uh, listening. It's just okay, you and me, okay? Okay. okay, <laughs> okay. okay. Here we go. Now, yeah. the thing you were saying at the beginning of the show about, you yeah, know, yeah, take the euro, yeah. Yeah. it's okay, buddy. Just, just yeah. get a new phone. Yeah. <laughs> just get a new phone. It's okay.
2: Yeah. I, I, and honestly, it, it probably will come to, to be with, you know, what review units are like too, because I can probably scratch the itch for a new phone if I get like, i know the 12 mini because then it's way different than my current phone um and it's like oh, i'll have this around for a little while but then my main phone is still the one from last year but you know it just depends on on the situation there but but you're right there's a good reason to justify buying new phones every year when it's for work and and you can do it for your job uh how about you steven
0: oh uh, yeah definitely a home pod mini probably just just one uh i've got sort of a situation where I would like something like that in my garage. Cause I, I've turned the corner of my garage into a home gym. And right now I just have a set of like cheapo PC speakers out there. And there's just a lightning dongle uh, permanently attached to the cable. And I have those out there because right, it's cold in the winter and hot in the summer. And if they die, they were, I mean, they were, it was like the cheapest thing at Best Buy five years ago. It, I, it doesn't really matter to me if they die. HomePod, I feel like, is a lot more complicated, and maybe I don't want to leave it out there. So I think just one HomePod mini for now for the bedroom. And I think, as it stands right now, iPhone 12 Pro Max, probably in silver. So I, I tend to alternate phone colors just to keep it interesting. And I did the space gray on the 11 Pro. And I like the new graphite, which is looks very similar But I really don't like the dark stainless steel. It really gets fingerprinty. And I do carry my phone out of a case a good bit of the time. So Mm -hmm. the white and silver, uh, I had my iPhone 10 that way and I've had stainless steel watches in the past. I like the way sort of, quote, raw stainless steel looks. And so I'm thinking about going silver this time with the, uh, yeah, with the big boy Max phone. You
2: know, speaking, of, we were talking about space stuff before, and the raw stainless steel just reminds me of like rocket material.
0: Yes, you know? it does look very uh sort of SpaceX or even like Falcon uh, Falcon Nine or even like the the Saturn Five, right? Like white and yeah, clean. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that's right. Yeah, well, you talked you talked me into it. I I like the blue, but for the same reason, I wouldn't get a product red watch, which I also really like. I've seen one in person now. I feel like that's too much personality in a way. Like if I want to change the case color or I don't know, I feel like going with a color is too big of a commitment. So silver is, is, is really clean looking. So I think that's what I'll do.
1: Yeah. I, I too really like the silver and white phone look, mm-hmm. but I'll probably end up getting a blue one and I'll get, as I said earlier, I'm going to get the big one. Um, And I, you know, it, I just whatever I'll get the big one yeah it's it's
2: done we have unanimity, unanimity here
1: interestingly my wife has an iPhone 10 which is really due for an upgrade and I asked her because she watched even with me I'm like do you want a new one and she's like no I think I'll wait. And I asked her why. And she said, well, number one, I'll just use your phone when I want to take nice pictures. And <laughs> number two, I really like my my Mickey Mouse cases. She has mm-hmm. a whole collection of Mickey Mouse. It's just kind of funny to me, people who are not super into this stuff. That's like the decision point, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah, I, I think <laughs> that's why Apple has kept compatibility with things like Apple Watch bands. Because yeah. people will put off a $1,000 purchase so they don't have to replace a $20 accessory. There's just something about humans who aren't us think about.
1: Yeah. Well, um uh, Zach, thank you. You're the first Mac Power user guest in over 10 years of the show to do a two recording session with us. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and travel in time at the same time, so that was pretty cool. Uh let us know what you think about the new Apple hardware and software, well actually mainly hardware over at the forums at talk. Uh, macpowerusers.com. Did I miss anything, Stephen? Uh
0: no, I think it's well, we've been recording now for like thirty six hours. Well, people don't know the show is only an hour and forty five minutes long this week. But what you haven't heard is that we actually stayed on the phone the whole time. So I'm. Oh, uh, we. Out. I
1: thought we weren't going to share that. Yeah. But, Steven snores yeah. so bad. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm <laughs> I really need to run aside to use the restrooms. So we could just wrap this up. Yeah, we
1: we laughed, we cried, Man, yeah. we we that was that was really a thing, guys. You know, Zach Thank screams
0: you. in his sleep. It's really upsetting.
1: David wouldn't go to bed with that Pacific time zone he has. <laughs> yeah, I know. My watch told me. My watch told me, guys. <laughs> okay, so that's going to wrap it up today. We went a little long and got into the kind of stuff we usually talk about in more power users, but we wanted to include it in the full show today because it's Apple Announcement Week, and that's fun. Thank you to our sponsors, and that's our friends over at 1Password, Squarespace, Pingdom, and Indeed. Thanks to Zach Hall for coming over from 9 to 5 back and time traveling with us and having a good time talking about all the new Apple hardware. We will see you next week.